Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I was in the darkest spot I've ever been in. Was the society had a little leg on top of my head. People say to me, no, I don't miss it at all. I'm like, okay, you're either very lucky or are you really being honest yourself? It's just a government again, similar to kind of the, the housing crisis. Like the roads are a disgrace. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ. Morning, morning. Hello. Thank you to Gareth for Friday. Did I have a nice weekend? Well, come on. I mean, we gave the French a thumping in their own backyard. (laughs) How could you not have a nice weekend after watching that fantastic result on Friday night? People are already saying, oh, back to backs. Don't even think about that. I'm not even going to say the term back to stop be nice though, wouldn't it? Be very nice. And then the under-20s men did it on Saturday night, knocked another another scar into the into the French. Love it, love it, love it. Some fellow writing in the paper this morning, I'll get to this. Some fellow writing in the paper about um retiring the fields of Athenry. Uh, no, sorry. Sorry, no, 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 no. Fields of Athenry strikes terror into uh, opposition rugby teams and crowds all over Europe. No, let's not have that. Let's not have that. In fact, let's even ramp it up a bit more and put zombies, start singing zombie during the match. Yeah, as you can imagine, I did enjoy the rugby for the weekend. Good morning to you. Um, I want to start with some... Oh, yeah, they see this survey this morning. I'll get to it in a minute. Um, just came across it very early this morning. And with today being Safer Internet Day, and we will talk about Safer Internet Day, see yeah, a fairly shocking statistic. Well, I think it's shocking anyway. Statistic this morning that 25% of six-year-olds now have their own smartphone. Now, I, I don't know about you, but to me, that's mad. Sane, insane. And on this smarter or this safer internet day, it's a topic of conversation that we will uh, come across. Also, um, we did this a week or two ago with KPMG. We had them on the show about getting your money back off the tax man. And it is happening and people are getting money, lots of money, hundreds here, maybe even a grand there. And they're getting it paid within a couple of days. It's great and it does work. Um, But... As always, someone's trying to get a piece of the action that doesn't deserve a piece of the action. 
that for later. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, I don't know about you, but I follow a few of them just to see what they're saying, um, just to see what they're at and sometimes you get a good idea from them and sometimes you don't. You know these coaches, they're all over Instagram, they're all over Twix, they're all over Facebook. I think Instagram is where most of them are hanging out they're kind of body coaches and food coaches and image. Co- just, they're just, they're just on Instagram looking for a follow. And so there's a couple that I find quite amusing and funny, and one or two I follow in particular because they're amusing. And there's good sense coming at the same time. But you don't want them sliding just because you follow them. So you click for a follow, and you don't want them sliding into your DMs. Now, do you? It's not happened to me, but listen to this. As long as I live, I will never think that it's a good idea for online weight loss coaches to contact me in my DMs and suggest that they might coach me. What on earth makes you think that I would like to be coached? And one fella said... You can show evidence of your transformation. What on earth makes you think I want to transform? How dare you? I am exactly how I would like to be. And by coming into my DMs, you are suggesting that there is actually something wrong with me or you need to fix the chubby little dote. She's grand. Laura O'Mahony, comedian and co-host of the Red Raw podcast. Laura, when did this happen? Just slid randomly into your DMs. Good morning to you. Into, good morning, PJ. Into my DMs. And it wasn't even uh, one of the ones I was following or any, anyone at all. I thought I was safe because January was over. It was the start of February last week. And a message slipped into my DMs saying... We just looked at your profile. We think you're very funny, right? I'd say they say that to everyone because then the next bit was like, I can train you for 12 weeks. You can show everybody your transformation in return for a couple of um, mentions on Instagram. And I'll kind of fix the, the, the vibe was that we'll fix you up after what you've kind of done to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I was like completely unsolicited, PJ. I am about my day. And this happens Quite regularly, I'd say maybe, you know, a couple of times a month that somebody who I have never followed, who is following me allegedly, gets on and says that they want to offer me this coaching. I think it's actually very dangerous, PJ, because you don't know. It's a kind of a form of cold calling, I suppose, but you don't know uh, anything about my relationship with my body or with food or anything. I think it's quite a dangerous practice because if you got onto somebody that was either suffering with a, an eating disorder or, you know, major body dysmorphia or something, I think that's quite dangerous. It could send somebody into a spiral. Mm-hmm. And in my mm-hmm. case, it just made me uh, absolutely cross. allergic. Cross. Really cross. I know, I because like, yeah. the feeling is that they went and looked through your Instagram and they were like, oh God, this one needs help. Well, here's she the had thing, a baby right. now four if, months ago. If you were <laughs> even following, I mean... There are two in particular, I won't name them here, but there are two in particular that I follow. Uh, A man and a woman, I think they're a couple, I'm not sure. I follow him because he's hilarious. And I follow her 
because she's act- her content is actually very, very interesting. But none, yeah. n- none of them have ever dared to, to enter my DMs. And moreover, someone that you wouldn't be following at all just decided to randomly pick you out. Like, that's, you clearly yeah. have a very big following online, so they're randomly going after you. Yeah, and I and I suppose the thing is that I do follow a few as well, sometimes for recipes, but like not necessarily for any kind of suggestion of changing the way I am. But but I find then when I, so they suggest this and then I say back to them, oh, I'm absolutely happy out with how I am. Thanks very much. They almost get a bit affronted. One, one person say, one person accused me of not being that nice in real life. I'm like, well, I don't understand why I have to be nice to somebody who has basically popped on and tried to make me feel bad about myself. And there's a certain kind of um, a vibe of like the mommy makeover as well. You've had your babies now. You've obviously destroyed yourself. We're now going to be here to fix you. I don't want to be fixed at all, PJ. I'm happy out the way I am. I Men- think mending away. Mending away in your own, at your own pace. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And also like this, I do think they prey on the kind of vulnerable mother thing as well. It's like, you know, you've had your babies. Now you need to be the the boss babe around town and be that independent woman and be this amazing mom. You can't be an amazing mom unless you're a twig. Like it's really, it's really quite sinister. And I just don't think anyone should be allowed uh, to make you feel that way when you're just about your day. Now, I didn't feel any type of way because I, I would be strong enough to kind of say, go on away from me. But there is other vulnerable people that imagine if you were there with your newborn baby, you're feeling a little bit shook and these they, they're kind of preying on you in a way. Whatever about a legitimate coach that you'd go and seek out or a nutritionist mm. or, you know, no problem with any of that or like getting back fit. But like, it should be of your own choosing. I think somebody basically sliding into your DMs and being like, hello, man. Yes, I've come to fix you. It's awful. <laughs> can so I ask, bad. Laura, was, was it a man or a woman? And I have a reason for asking. It was a man. And on, on all of the occasions it has occurred, it has always been a man. This man is going to come and fix poor little chubby old me. Chubby old me is grand as she is. Thank you very much. I see. I see. <laughs> Did you respond? I did. Um, I the, the, to the one last week. I just said, you know, oh, thanks very much for getting on to me. Um, I said I'm actually I'm very happy how I am. Uh, I have a. I think all body images are are. I think all body types are good, and I'm quite happy with my own body image. And in fairness, that guy was like, oh, delighted to hear that. But then did go on to say that's part of what I'm all about as well. And I'm like, go away, go away. You're trying mm. to come at me then. With the body positive vibe. And look, like we talk, you said it there, PJ, we've, uh, me and Rob Heffernan have a podcast called Red Raw. And we spoke about it only this week about body image and like what sells is feeling bad about your body. And what I'm about is maybe feeling good about it and Mm. accepting, you know, I have a body that provided three children with a safe space to be born. And, you know, am I... Am I 100% body confident? Absolutely not. But do I need somebody sliding into my DMs and feeling me, making me feel bad? I don't. And I just think it's a bad practice amongst them. You're not going to get business that way. Well, you the, know? Point, the point you made a minute or two ago is, is the most valid one of all. And that is, you know, you're a person that is fine and confident about yourself. Yeah. As, as would I be. You know, I, I say I'm happy in my own skin. There's rather more Same. of it than there should be. But but I'm happy in it, right? Um. But someone who's a bit vulnerable and might be on the edge of doing something silly in terms of their diet, that could push them yeah. over. 
It could. And like, you just don't know who you're dealing with. Like, you don't know anyone's relationship to food, anyone's history, particularly if it was somebody with an eating disorder and somebody cold calls basically and says, we've looked at your Instagram. And as a result of that, we are now offering you a 12 week training program. Like it wasn't even like a kind of a, you know, we give you a few classes. It was a full program for 12 weeks. Like that could really send you into a spiral and a vulnerable mother like or, you know, or a, a man about his day that is just having a low day. I really think it is dangerous because obviously at the time I was a bit like, oh, I don't like that. It did pop back into my head throughout the day. It's like, oh, God, maybe you should avail of it, Laura. You are after letting yourself into an awful shambles. It can really, you know, it can make you spiral. And I just think I just don't understand. Are they getting any business out of it? I, I can't imagine that they the, are. The other because thing, if, if they were targeting you because of the fact that you only had a baby, if you want, how are things going, by the way? All good? All good. good. Nearly five months he is now, Nearly my tiny months. king, Freddie. Well, there's uh, Freddie, love the name. Well, there's a the thing, right? Anyone who's coming after you, offering you a 12 week program to a mother of a five month old, sure, you haven't 12 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a mother of a five year old and I, or a five month old, and I have an eight year old and a six year old. So I'm like, I mean, unless. You're lucky if you remember like, to breathe, woman. <laughs> lucky if I remember to put on my shoes uh, let alone go for the and I'd be there thinking I'm doing great PJ because I drop the kids to school and I go for a walk but as well I feel like saying to them if I needed a coach sure I'm doing a podcast with an Olympic athlete like Rob Everton will sort me out if I need starting out but he knows not to approach me about that kind of stuff do you know what I mean yeah. it's just I think it's I do think it makes me sad because I'm kind of sad for them as well. If that's the way they're touting for business, I'm like, oh, your business is not working if you're getting on to me. To t-. And also, if I tagged, like, uh, my followers would be allergic because my whole thing is you must love how you are. Like, as in, I don't care what size you are once you're a good person. Mm-hmm. If I suddenly start randomly banging on about a transformation, sure, my followers would be like, what's gone wrong with Laura? She's gone crap. She told me a minute ago I was to be beautiful in the skin I'm in. Yeah, Do you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as I say, we all follow the one guy that I follow, and the reason I like him is because this this fella messaged him one day and said, "Look, I, I th- here's a thing I particularly like from my lunch, but you tell me it's not good for me." What's he do? He makes a hilarious video. Kirsten swore his way through four minutes on how to make the yeah. very same lunch in a far more nutritious way. That's good content. Yeah, put the content out there, and whoever wants to consume it will consume it. But do not come into my DMs mm. and make me feel bad. Basically, you like if you're meant to be a coach that's going to make me feel good about myself, you've already failed because you've started off by making me feel terrible. There you go. I mean, here's the thing, Laurie. You, I mean, it's all about feeling positive. It's all about being, you know, doing, doing the positive thing. That's what you try to do yeah. all the time through your own work. And, and like, you don't have to, the other thing, PJ, is you don't have to be in love with your body. You don't have to be like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Obviously, there's going to be days where you don't feel amazing about your body. It, you don't have to be toxically kind of positive about your body image either. You can be kind of neutral about your body. You can be like, I have a body and it gets me from A to B. Would I like it to be slightly different? Maybe I would. But I suppose there's so much more to me than whatever size or shape mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, there's so much more to everyone. And I see so many of my friends and people in the pursuit of skinniness and they think that that's going to make them happy. It's not. It's not necessarily. And we are in a world where like losing five stone is, you know, oh, my God, you're amazing. Aren't you amazing? Well, would you not also be amazing if you maybe like liked yourself and put a lot of your time and effort into figuring out a way 
to to like yourself and and have a have a happy head as opposed to being you know praised for losing weight. It's it's so it's so ingrained in us. We're like we're just we're undoing diet culture all the time. I always say like we have the hangover of the X Factor and the Swan and America's Next Top Model. All these programs that it was making us feel bad for being a certain way. We're going to be undoing that for generations, mm. and we have to we have to start somewhere. Do you know? But there's a thing as well where. Yes, healthy eating. Obviously, we're all being encouraged to eat better things yeah. and choose better better substitutes. You know, eat, eat, eat goodness rather than gunk. But that gets tied in then to fat shaming. Yeah. And there's still yeah, an awful I lot mean, of online fat shaming out there. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I mean, there was talk of it on Dancing with the Stars at the weekend. Like, Lorraine Berry had to come out and basically say, you know, everyone... Everyone can be a dancer, like it doesn't, and it's so true. But I, like, I just want people to, you know, take up your space in the world. Don't whatever size it is, don't be feeling bad about it. And and like, let's just let's try and take the conversation back a small bit. That that like, you know, let's be. I I don't want my children to see me on a scales being sad. You know, like as in obviously I'm going to make healthy choices be very careful with the language we use around kids you know referring to things as treats and stuff everything is just food let's start from that basic point let's aim for good nutrition let's aim for the the healthy options but let's not beat ourselves up about a bar of chocolate a little small freddo like let's not be like oh i've been so bad there i just think all of the language needs to change it's probably not going to change in our generation but if we start the conversation maybe it might be a little bit different for our kids and then might be super different for their kids if we could just uh, undo some of the damage that's been done by diet culture we're we're talking on on safer internet day uh, Laura and I'll be yeah. going into it further in in a little while but there is so much pressure on now they say young girls I think it's on young boys too but a lot of pressure yeah. through the likes of Instagram and other platforms driven by the blatant Kardashians and the like. Well, look at I mean, there there's obviously positive sides to the Kardashians as well. They're, you know, badass bosses and all that. <laughs> oh, in terms of like their businesses and all that. Oh, but yeah. do you know what it is, PJ? I was yesterday, I did my grocery shopping with my little girl yesterday, and she's she's eight, nearly nine. And she brought her little buggy with her dollies in it, right? And I was like, that lovely because a lot of eight and nine year olds are you know doing TikToks and like being all sassy and she has that side of her as well but there was a moment where I was like I'm so glad that she's still that small girl you know she's eight people are growing up too fast or whatever but I think the internet is a damaging place and I think for women in particular other women do a lot of damage to women like you know all the toxic websites all the trolling sites all the bad comments that is all women tearing down other women. Now, there's and I the thing, Laura, to... focus on that for a second, if you would. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested that you went there. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I'm a long time doing this job and I'm a long time watching the internet and I was, I'm was i old enough to remember when we didn't have one and the development of over yeah. the years. My view as a man is women yeah. are an awful lot harder on women than men yeah. ever were. Absolutely. It's a, it really is not great, PJ. Like, and particularly women that are loud and opinionated. Like, if I was a placid, docile, obedient woman, I would get a lot less stick online. I don't get an awful lot. But for example, if I'm ever making a television appearance, there'll always be some woman in the comments going too loud. 
she's too loud. And I'm like, just turn me down, girl. You have a remote control. You can turn me down. But it's always there. There is something sometimes in women where they don't want to see a woman rising to the top. It's obviously stemming from their own kind of jealousy or their own situation. But like all of these toxic websites, it is women tearing down women. As far as I can see, I don't look at them. I've learned to not read the comments. There is no good in the comments section. Even if there's good comments, you don't need to see them because you're going to fall into the bad comments. Mm. Well, if you look, if, even if you do go read in the comments on it, yeah. and particularly on something like Instagram or wherever, yeah. I've heard, my own observations are women are an awful lot nastier. Absolutely. You see, like, you know, people that are presenting shows and straight away there's comments underneath going, the dress is awful on her. This one loves um, talking over everybody or she asks terrible questions. And then it's like they, they don't reference if there's a man there as much. And of course, men get hate as well. I, I absolutely understand that they do. But I do have a problem with women tearing down other women. And I do think we should be trying to reverse that as well. Like, that's why I would be a loud supporter of women in my life that I think are great. Support them, share their stuff. Like, you know, comedians that are the same level as me, higher, lower, doesn't matter. Like, if I think they're great, I'm going to share their stuff. I'm not going to be like trying to tear them down because that will somehow increase my profile. Like, it's it, it's awful. And and it's you do have to think that some of the ones that are typing at home, at home on computers giving out about you, they're people you probably wouldn't ever have been friends with. You know, they, you, but, but when you see it written down, when you see something bad written down about yourself, it does, because it's in black and white, it does go into your soul. I could have a hundred good comments and I could only think about the bad one. Absolutely. Do you know? And that, that's awful. Absolutely. We have to, there's a lot of things we have to address, PJ. I can't yeah. address them all today. Well, let's come back to, <laughs> let's come back to where, where this started with the people sliding into your DMs. Yeah. And the most, I thought the most, and again, come back to Safer Internet Day. There should be some protection for you. If this is someone you yeah. don't even follow, that they can get into yeah. your DMs, that's something the platforms need to address, if you ask me. Yeah, and I mean, I know you can block and I know you can avoid your message requests and stuff, but then sometimes you have a feeling that you might be missing out on something important if there is somebody trying to contact you. Um, I do think there there should be certainly like toxic websites and all that were just set up for people to troll each other. They should be gotten rid of. Um, I noticed on TikTok now there is, they hide comments that they think it actually says might uh, upset your mental health. And I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you for that. But now I want to go in and look at them even more to see what it is. But definitely there is a responsibility on the platforms as well. And with regards to kids and stuff, there needs to be, we just need to protect our minds and, and keep our kids young for as long as possible and not exposed to some of the horrors of the comment section. All right. Well, keep doing what you're doing, Laura, because it, it goes down really well everywhere. Uh, that's uh, The Red Raw podcast will have an episode, or they will have episodes about all this as well. Thank you. Uh, Laura O'Mahony, comedian and co-host of the Red Raw podcast. 0818969696. Have you had people just randomly sliding into your to your DMs. Um, Kate says, there's no one has a perfect body. They're all Botox and surgery and Instagram trickery and people need to stop comparing themselves to others, which is an excellent point, Kate, coming right back to the Kardashians because none of that is natural. If you ever watch a Kardashian, you probably notice they never stand too close to a heater. You might notice that. They never stand too close to a heater just in case things might start to melt. Just just watch that the next time you meet one. I know, you don't meet them. Okay, okay, but you get my drift. 
I mentioned this at the top of the programme and Maurice says I couldn't believe my ears when I heard that about so many six-year-olds having a smartphone that is so dangerous there definitely needs to be laws preventing it. It's one of those kind of what exactly did I just hear moments you're listening to the morning news or looking at the newspaper or whatever. This is Amorak which is a very reputable survey group on behalf of Cyber Safe Kids which is even more reputable as an organisation. In fact, I've had their gaffer on here more than once, Alex Cooney. It found, it's out this morning, 25%, just short of 25% of six-year-olds have a smartphone. They did a survey among 900 parents who have children aged between 5 and 17. They found that 45% of children aged 10 are able to use their smartphone in their bedrooms, in other words, away from their parents. And a fifth said that they felt the benefits of the internet outweighed the risks. But this was the survey that jumped out of it. This is the headline figure. One in four, nearly one in four six-year-olds have a smartphone. Avril Ronan, a global program manager with Trend Micro, joins me on this safe Internet Day. Avril, I found that statistic rather shocking. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, it, it is. And, you know, CyberSafe kids do a lot of annual research each year. And when you look at their annual report, 31% of unrestricted access to the online world. Um, and 93% of age 12 year olds own a personal smart device on top of the ones that you've just mentioned. So it is worrying. It certainly is worrying for small kids. What is it about parents who think it's okay to give a six-year-old a smartphone? Not judging their parenting skills, but are they not listening to the messages? And are they not realising that what they see in their own smartphone, their six-year-old can also see? I would like to think that any parent that purchases a smartphone for a six-year-old, which even when I'm saying it sounds insane, that they have every security, safety and privacy setting locked down, screen time settings on, and the only things that the children can play with and interact with are child-appropriate content and apps 
for their age that are age appropriate and when it comes to screen time that they're only allowed one to two hours a day and you know I know I'm doing a webinar tonight uh, on screen time for kids and teens and the challenges that parents face and depending on whether you know your child is six nine or 14 you know screen time challenges are a real thing in every household around the country mm. uh, and as kids grow up they evolve too so I you know, it is a real challenge. It is a worry. Um, there's statistics and research, evidence-based research out there about the amount of screen time, depending on the age of the child and what's appropriate as well. There's a lot of research. It's about being informed, PJ. Mm. It's about educating yourself. And why you said you'd like to think it, that smartphone. You said yes. you'd like to think it, but you know better, yes, don't you? Yes, I would not like to see a six-year-old with a, a smartphone with full access to the internet. Yeah, but you know actually. better, don't you? I can't, I can't go there. Yeah. You know better, though. I, I'm, they I'm, have. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. They have. Um, and what the hell are they looking at? That's what worries me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There are things you could, you can, you can have a smartphone and a tablet, a laptop can be locked down purely for age-appropriate content, but even with... YouTube for kids or, you know, specific apps that are child friendly and age appropriate. There are still things like there is still content that could get in there at that age and be inappropriate for kids. So you always have to be around them and yeah. supervise them. As uh, well. So I, it's just yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. going to there's a nightmare scenario that I read. Yes. I read about this and I, I and I saw an online lecture about this. Yes, there's hmm. young YouTube and there's, you know, there's shall we yeah, call it yeah. Internet for babies. There's also yeah. there's also perverts who hide in plain sight and get into Absolutely. that stuff anyway. You know that, I know that, every parent should know that. Yeah. You know? It's, it's yeah, hard. it's about well, being informed. It's about being, look at, yeah. you know, our role as parents is to safeguard our children, whether they be in the playground or online. That's our job, to keep them safe. And saying no is something we have to become familiar with because that's our job, to keep them safe, to look after their privacy, their safety, their security, online, offline. That is our, a job of a parent as a, as a guardian, you know. Mm. Um, so... You know, being educated, being informed and knowing what, you know, even looking at the research, but you don't need to look at research to, to you know, think about should I get my, my child a device at the age of four, five, six years of age. Talk to me about your webinar. It's on, it's open, it's tonight. It is, PJ. It's on uh, Celebrating Safer Internet Day. Uh, let's talk teen, kids, teens and screen time. Uh, and it's on at seven o'clock and it's trendmicro.com forward slash internet dash safety. Go to the events page for Ireland and all the details are there for the Zoom webinar. Everyone is, please join me. Um, the conversation is great, PJ. The questions parents have, then they can ask them anonymously too sometimes um, that they may not be feel comfortable with in the classroom or in the school holla in the evenings. Uh, parents are concerned and there's a huge registration number already for tonight. How long, at what age should they be online? That is a big question, you know. Um, and a lot of the questions I get asked are things like, you know, how, how do I get the devices out of the bedroom? You know, so um, depending on their ages, they evolve and it all comes down to the relationship with your child. First and foremost, your micro is a cyber security expert in the field. And our number one piece of advice when it comes to Internet safety for kids and families is the relationship with your child as they grow and evolve. Because what you want end game 
is that you want them to make the responsible decisions online and off when you're not around. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's it's can people still register? Training them. They can, of course, it's open um, and they're, please join me. It'll be recorded as well, PJ, and it'll be up on the website then afterwards as well for people to watch back on demand. Um, I, I do have parents making the dinner while they're listening in online. So that's the beauty of the Internet when used responsibly, of course, yes. like everything else, you know. All right. All right. Good talking to you. As always, Avril Ronan of Trend Micro. They have that uh, webinar tonight, which will be recorded and available to you afterwards. But this statistic this morning, this is Safe for Internet Day. And the fact that it comes out this morning on Safe for Internet Day. And I know I'm talking to parents, a lot of parents of six-year-olds. And I know that some of them are thinking, ah, PJ, you're much older than me. Your children have grown up. You don't get it. Well, actually, maybe I do. Would you give, I, I cannot countenance why you would give a child of six a mobile phone, or a smartphone. I can't understand it. I don't understand it. I do not understand why you would give a child of six a smartphone. Yes, I do see the attraction of a tablet. So if you're out and you're trying to have a bit of grub with, 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 you know, with, with your partner and the six-year-old is making noise, well, sure, put on a Dora video and give them the Dora video and they'll watch this, this, this phone or they'll watch the tablet and, and that'll keep them amused and you'll get to have dessert rather than running out with your dinner cutting your chest. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. But anyone, and we're coming up to communion season again in May. So communion season in May now, there'll be seven and eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds, seven, well, seven and eight-year-olds will get smartphones. Why would you give a child of seven a smartphone? Why would you give a child of six a fully functioning smartphone? Unless, as Avril says, you can lock it down to being totally under your control. But there's that, that particularly worrying survey this morning, which comes out from Amorok Research. 900 parents were surveyed. And of the parents they surveyed, they all have children between 5 and 17. And of the parents they surveyed for this, they found that one in four, almost 25% of six-year-olds, think about that, six-year-olds, they can't see over the dinner table, six-year-olds, a quarter of them have a smartphone. Explain to me how any of that makes sense. Taylor Swift, it was her night, wasn't it, really, at the Grammys. Uh, she won Album of the Year with Midnight's for the fourth year on the trot. She won Album of the Year. She also won another Grammy for that particular album, uh, Best Pop Vocal Album. So she walked off with two Grammys for that album alone. Another one who did really well last night was Miley, or at the Grammys this year, was Miley... Cyrus, Miley, Flowers, a great song. I liked Flowers. That won record of the year and best pop solo performance. And see where a song I kind of liked, um, Billie Eilish, the, the Barbie song, What Was I Made For? That won, that won song of the year, which kind of makes up for Barbie not doing so well at the, at the Globes. Um, we'll see how it goes at the Oscars uh, in, in a few weeks' time. But a big night for for Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus at, at the, the 2024 Grammys. And, of course, this absolute legend stole the night in her own way. The, the in memoriam is part of the night where they mark the people who are no longer with us. Sinead O'Connor, of course, featured, and and Shane, Shane McGowan. But the great Annie Lennox. I mean, look, listen to the voice on this. 
Just an absolute legend is, is Annie Lennox. I hope she releases that. And, yeah, yeah, Jay-Z was saying that Beyonce has won the most ever Grammys but never won Best Album. That's a, that's a, that's a statistic. That's a, that's a table quiz question, actually. That's a table quiz question. What multiple Grammy winner has never won Best Album? That's a good one, yeah. He's angry about it. He's, he's yeah. Uh, Jay-Z gets angry. I think he gets out of bed angry most of the time. But the Grammys, all the television shows are on. Is it tonight they're on? Some of them were on last night. Anyway, it was a night for the girls at the Grammys. And deservedly so. And deservedly so. Four years in a row. And think about that, right? Four years in a row, Taylor Swift has now won Best Album. And no one else has ever done that before. I That was the bit I didn't get. I didn't get no one ever had done that before. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM a big drive home with Izzy Show Busy. So On Courts 96FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm where I've oak fire pizza vouchers to give away for voice notes like this. Hey Izzy, how are you? Any cashes you'll get? Can you swim because I'm after losing control? I'll also play your favourite song, but I can't guarantee I can get a celebrity to kiss you. Hello Izzy, Dermot Kennedy kiss me after the day I've had. And I'll have VIP tickets to Izzy Match Busy up for grabs. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home you can drive me With Izzy Show Busy Corks 96 FM 96 FM On six-year-olds with smartphones John says, John and Cove The sad reality is many parents give their children a phone Because it distracts them And they can do their own thing I know a person who gave their very young child a mobile And I see them on it morning, noon and night In this case, the parents themselves Are also addicted to their phones Thank you, John. Yeah, I was confused over when the Grammys were on, because I think this is Monday. They were on on Sunday night into Monday, and of course this is Tuesday. That's when I got confused for a split second as to what I was on about there. for. So just forgive me, right? It's been a long weekend, and uh, let me behave. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So, uh, Anne, I hope I have this right. Mitchellnik, good morning to you. Yeah. Good morning. It's Mechelink, but that's okay. I, I always use O'Sullivan, my partner's name. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, listen. Uh, so, Anne, you've lived in, in McCroom now for how long? We lived in McCroom for 13 years almost. Okay. Um, in the same house. We um, moved here 13 years ago and... Um, we looked after the house like it was our own. We made it our home. And like, you know, probably, you know, and your listeners will uh, hear this now, we got our eviction notice after 13 years. Yes. The, um, land, the landlord wanted time. the place back for a family member, isn't that right? Yes, that's that's right. That's right. Okay. And so, yeah, there's, there's nothing we can do. Um, I went to... Uh, the local estate agents here to ask if there was anything around McCroom or or even nearby Cork. But, you know, they said to us, it's kind of hopeless. There was nothing in McCroom for weeks and months. Mm. And then um, we went to our, well, I went to our local TD, which I must say they were really, really helpful. 
um, because I read about this scheme um, that the council, af- after a long tenancy, could buy your house and then you can rent from them. But um, we're not entitled to that either. We're not entitled to social housing. We have to be on hack for something um, in that kind of scheme. So yeah. we started then looking at houses uh, ourselves. And to be honest with you, there's, there is nothing. Yes. Now, you, you're Belgian, I think. Is that right? I am, yeah. Yeah, and your partner so, is... Um, you met in Belgium, did you? We did, we did. Actually, I followed the love of my life to the country I love with all my heart, you know. Um, I'm in Ireland now 20 years, and I can't tell you what it does to me to have to leave. It really is just... But we have no option, I can tell you. You know, I don't want to get too emotional, but... Um, okay. We started looking at houses in in Belgium, and thank God, you know, we have that option. Um, and then you see houses there for prices like uh, seven fifty, seven hundred, eight hundred. Can I ask Anne? Can I ask you, before we go there? How much were you currently paying on rent in the house that you have now? That is something I would like to acknowledge to our landlords. These people, they never opted, well, they opted from, we started here at 500 uh, 13 years ago. And I can tell you at that moment, we had options. We had options on houses in the same price range. And what I can't understand is that in 10 years, let's say 13 years time, Prices on average here around Macron six, seven hundred, all of a sudden they're fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred. How how is that how is that possible? What would I, you I, what would you have to pay now to get something similar if you now, could get it? Oh Jesus, eighteen hundred easily. Easily. Wow. Easily. And I can tell you you know, that's why I want to acknowledge our landlords too. These people never opted to rent. Now, mind you, we look after the garden. We painted the house in all these years. We painted the house inside, outside three times. You know, if something was broken, Carl fixed it. You know, they we had never issues with them. We never. You're good tenants. We were good tenants. Yeah. This is the first time ever in our lives that we have been evicted from a place ever yeah. and we're both turning 60. Yeah. And I do believe in that. I do believe as a tenant, you have the obligation to look after the place as if it's your own. Yes. And the, <laughs> it, it, I'm reading from the Corkman newspaper that like, it, it is a family reason that the property is needed back. So this, this isn't, this, this is, you're not falling out with anybody here. This, this is just a, a state of circumstances. Yeah. But for 1800 yeah, euro... 1800 euro is an awful lot of money. What can you get in Belgium for what you pay for what you're paying now? Oh, Jesus, like I could get a top of the range villa for 1800. You know, we're looking at houses now. See, the thing in Belgium is um that's something my son told me that people now who put houses on the market or who are landlords and renting out property, they have to bring the houses to a cer- certain energy standard. Yeah. But you you move in, and we've been looking at houses now, and people in Belgium are looking for us too. You move into a warm, comfortable, energy-sufficient house. Here for, and 
I'll be honest with you, the rent we were paying here, and probably people will say, oh, my God. And But that was the luck we had. We paid here 600 euro a month. You wouldn't find it anywhere in the country anymore. No. Not even for one bedside apartment. Can you rent in Belgium so, for that kind of money? You can. You easily can, yes. And like I say, you go into a house that's, energy sufficient, that that's warm, that's done up, that's painted inside, outside. You know, there's, from what I hear and see, different regulations, and it breaks my heart that it can't be here. I know, I it, can hear. It just, we build up a life, you know, Carl was away 20 years, and when we turned 40, he said to me, you know what, do you want to come live in Ireland with me? And the moment I, I came to live in Ireland, it's, it's, I can't know, I, I feel for the first time in my life uprooted at this moment. I feel I made my life here, God made his life here, coming back after all these years, and now we're forced out because of housing. I mean, I just, I, I find it really hard to deal with, I really do. I can hear that. I can I can hear that. So, when are you going to move, or are you have you decided now that you must move? Well, we've decided now to um, the moment because I'm going over now shortly to go look at a couple of properties. Um, there is a good job there waiting for Cahill, um, you know, with the company. The same thing as he does here. That's good. And you're an artist, aren't you? Can you find work over there? But it's. The thing is, too, PJ, I thrive on my classes. I thrive on my local community. I thrive on Macroom. I build up these painting and drawing classes and crochet and knitting classes in my community. And to build up that again, to start, you, you just have to start from scratch again. Of course, I can work as, as an artist myself. I, I, you know, my own work, I can make that anywhere. But to have to leave the people behind that really embraced me here in Macroom is just. Mm. I'm sorry if I. No, 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 no! Don't, don't be sorry at all. You came, you came as a stranger. And and now, will you almost feel like a stranger going back to Belgium? See, when people say, "Oh, you're going back home," I'm not going back home. I'm going to Belgium, and I'm going to my family. But my heart is here. It really is. It's mentality. It's the people. It's it's. And can I ask if you do something for me? Would you hold? Because I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you've just said. You're not going home. You are home. You're being forced away from here. your home. Can we come back to that after ten, if you wouldn't mind? I'll put you back onto Fergal there, and we might hold that line until after ten. See. We'll see if we can clean it up a small bit as well, lads. It's a little bit hollow for me, but it's going okay. I'm talking to Anne, who's an artist, married to Kyle. Uh, they live in McCroom, have done for the last uh, nearly 13 years and they are losing their home because the landlord needs it back and they feel have, they have no option but to go back to Anne's native Belgium because there they can afford to live, here they can't. I'll come back to it after the news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM. Listen.
listen to Cork's 96FM while you work. While you work. Listen live at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, weather forecast for the week, by the way, is pretty bleak. Uh, the weekend was lovely. I spent a lot of time in the garden at the weekend, just uh, myself and Queen Bee getting it ready for the season. You know, cutting down old stuff and digging up new stuff and cleaning the place and wiping it down and filling a baby skip. We always say in our house, it must be a long weekend because there's a baby skip in the drive. Anyway, nice weekend. Forget about it. The weather for the weekend looks looks pretty dismal, unfortunately. 0818 96 96 96 the number, the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie I'm talking with Anne Anne and her partner Cahill have been living in McCroom for nearly 13 years now their landlord wants the property back so they've been served with with notice to quit and they have and Anne has told me they've had a very very fair rent for the last number of years it is impossible to get anything else for the rent that they're paying in fact it's almost impossible to get anything in or around McCroom for less than nearly two or three times that rent even if there was anything there to get which as Anne has been telling me there isn't now Anne as she explained before Anne is Belgian and came here with Cahill um, after they had met nearly 20 years ago and just come back to that like when did you meet and how did you meet and we'll take it up from there good morning again <laughs> good morning well we met uh, in belgium through friends and um we were both um divorcees so it was like okay i'm not going to go there easily but you know love is a strange thing and i fell in head over heels in love with Cahill and after a couple of years uh, we decided to become a couple and then when we turned 40 because his birthday is the 19th of June mine is the 9th of July Okay. and when we turned 40 he asked me if I wanted to come live in Ireland with him and we packed literally because we lived separately in Belgium. We literally packed our lives in a couple of boxes and two cars and we came to Ireland and yeah, I've lived a life that I can't, I'm so grateful for this country. You know, I was able to fulfill a childhood dream here. I studied to become an artist at the Crawford College of Art and Design in Cork and I became a self-employed artist. Um, I'm always believe that you have to go give back to your community, and mm-hmm. I started to locally my um, art classes here. Um, I'm working with McCroom School of Art, and it's been a blessing. My life has been a blessing, and yeah. And this is home. You know, I, I Belgium is not home. No. No, home is here. Home is is the people. Home is how I feel. Just being in Ireland, being around the people. You know, it's I made friendships here. I have a lovely family here. Um, 
you know, Carol's mom is in her 80s. She's just one of the most inspiring people in my life that I've ever met. And I have, I have, you know, a big social group around me here and starting that all over again. Like I have family. I have my kids in Belgium, of course. I have grandchildren and, mm. but my heart is, is, yeah. I can't picture having to leave. I can't picture us standing on, on that ferry and, and the island disappear and knowing it's not. I know, home. I know, and, and, and I think and I think everyone can hear it in your voice. Is there is, is there no I know that you said Kahal already has a job waiting for him, which is great news in itself, but is there no option? Like have, what's your budget? If if there was anything there that people could help with, what's your budget? See, the, t- the thing is too, PJ, we, we haven't talked about anything, but, and, you know, if we, even if we rented out something, something now, like we'll say around to eight, nine hundred, who says it's not going to happen to us again? You know, um, we're getting a bit older and the options we have in, in Belgium are just so different. They're really, really so different. Okay. That's and that's important. That's an important comparison. You have mm-hmm. options in Belgium. We do. We do. There's, there's, you know, if you look at the housing crisis here, before everything is going to get a bit solved for people, it's going to take what another five to ten years. By that time, I'm seventy. You know, and, it's and does Belgium have any kind of a housing crisis? Because we hear day in day out, and that everywhere has a housing crisis of sorts these days. There is, well, I, I'm not going to say that I know a lot of the housing crisis in Belgium. All I know is that renters, from what we read up on, and, and you know, the houses you go into and the prices you get accordingly, there's no match to Ireland. There isn't. If there was, if there was one option that I could say, like, look, I know I can stay here for another 10 years, I, I would, but there's... There's nothing, and there is no way that you can, like what you what you are paying out now, you would have options in Belgium for that kind of money. We do, we do, we have options there. Um, even you know we're looking at seven, seven fifty, eight hundred now, and and we can't believe what we see. We can't. We can't just. What's on, what's available know? for seven hundred and fifty in Belgium? Say, and by the way, I know it's a small um, country, but I don't know anything. I don't know much about the geography of Belgium. Well, what what we looked at was a little about little um, a house with two bedrooms, a kitchen, living room, garage, uh, a little bit of a garden, and that comes to seven fifty. And is that in a rural area mm. or in a little town or where? That's that's nearby a town. That that's you can cycle it. You know, it's oh it's it's you have. There's so many options there, and we weighed up everything. We weighed up everything because you know it's it was easy when we were in our forties and we had a life to look forward to. But we have to look further. Also, we only have a couple of years working in us, and you know. I can't. I can't see us live in a property here. The two of us, even in, in our pension, who can pay then fifteen, no, eighteen hundred no, on a rent on a pension? Not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. No. And and I can hear the sadness in your voice, and and I can hear the the the, the desolation almost at having to do this. 
How does Cahill feel? Cahill is my rock. Cahill is the one who keeps us going and come on, girl, we can do this together. And, you know, but I know that, it, you know, for him to have to leave again after 20 years, it's just, and have you, you know, we never mom? imagined it. No, we never imagined it. And um, I can only say, I, feel, I I consider myself lucky. We have a bit of savings behind us. We have no debt, no nothing in that way. How many people are, you know, in worse situations than us who can't have family to fall back on or a house to live in? Or You have you have. I always, I always, I'm sorry, maybe, yeah. but, you know, I compare it also to my, when my grandfather built his house. My grandfather did that on one wage without having to have a mortgage or a loan or anything. My mom and dad had to work with two people. Now my kids have to work with two people and have a mortgage. And where is it going? Where is it going? Yeah. You know, for young people now, I, I just, my heart breaks for young people now, for people in, in, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s now, in my situation. Sorry, no, but no, and, and please don't, please don't apologize. Please don't apologize. My heart is breaking for you. You've built this lovely life here for yourself and 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 Carl, and in a place you love, among people that you love. And yes, yeah. when you go to Belgium, there are people there that you love too, and lots of them. And you'll have family love and support, and but it's not going to be home. It's never going to be home, and you don't no. ever want it to be home. It's never going to be home. All right. And I wish I, I wish you I wish you luck yourself and Carl. And if, look, if something should happen to to prevent this, let me know. Uh, but at the moment, I just wish you and Carl the best of luck. That's a heartbreaking story. That's Anne Metchelink. I, as she said herself, Anne O'Sullivan. She goes by. She came here with Carl, built a life here with Carl. Has the options, of course, to go back to Belgium where family is, but it'll never be home. And she doesn't have much of a budget. She can't, even with their budget, they can't afford to stay around. And as she said herself, they've got some savings. They've got some money. They can dig themselves through this problem. What about those who can't? Thank you, Anne. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, James D is a big breaking political story, which I'll get to in just a sec. Um, national political story breaking. Uh, James... Dean is principal at St. Vincent's Secondary School. Safer Internet Day. James, you talked about it all morning. You're getting behind it. We are, PJ. A lot of our teachers have been working with students over the last week or two to get some activities ready for today. Um, I know you had Avril Rowan on from Trend Micro earlier, and um, we're, we've linked in with them. Our transitioner students are working with Trend Micro. Our transitioner students have been trained as cyber safety ambassadors, mm-hmm. and they're delivering cyber safety skills workshops to our own students today and tomorrow and to some local primary schools over the next few weeks. We also have competitions today for students answering questions on um, simple um, cyber safety ideas so they'll answer a question and get it right and they're in, in for prizes around the school and we have a short video presentation going home to parents on how they can support their daughters online um, I would like also to give a big shout out to Tavla Ronan from Trend because she has done and, and Trend Micro have done brilliant work over the last 10 years and probably longer 
mm-hmm. and we've been them for many years and they provide us with webinars for parents to log into in the evenings something separate to school that kind of gives sensible advice to parents which is really beneficial yeah you're you're a principal in a school there i'm sure you, you'd agree with me james your 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 pupils are digital natives they've been, they've been born into uh, uh, the internet society is it hard to relate to them in terms of telling them you know how to be safe or do they get it themselves do they get the dangers themselves they do, but they are young people and they're like in a belt. People make mistakes online. And I think what we do as a school is we try to identify where you can make mistakes. And if you do make them, how you cannot make them again. But um, I suppose some of the simple messages we give to, to our students and parents is have open, open communication. If you think you've done something silly to talk about it with somebody, um, encourage a positive digital footprint too, which is very important. So don't do or say anything online that you wouldn't to somebody face-to-face or in public. That's true. That, um, that, that one is still as, as valid as it was the first day. Don't put anything online that you wouldn't like on a billboard outside your nana's house. Someone said that exactly, to me a long time exactly. ago. <laughs> and it was too. Lastly, James, if I could ask you, this survey, you may have seen it, you may not, done by Amoric Research, comes out this morning that 25% of six-year-olds have a smartphone. As a school yeah. principal, your thoughts? I just heard it. It, it. it sounds crazy to me, but um, I think it's kind of a matching game with a lot of parents and depending on schools um, and the policy adoption in the schools, um, phones can become kind of a feature of, of life. But it, it is really a parent's responsibility and not the way it is. And I know schools try and manage issues, but it's putting a phone in, in your daughter's hand is a, is a parent's um, choice. And, and I think it's, it is far too young. Um, there's lots of ways you can enjoy a phone without having it. 24-7, you can be shown it by your parents or other tablets and stuff that can be restricted to, to use at certain times, but it seems um, far young. too many yeah, too young and far yeah. too many kids haven't at that age. And I think, I suppose, the primary school instruction that they might kind of ban phones across all primary schools or, or restrict their use heavily is, was, was a good idea and maybe something similar could come into secondary schools, but they are a useful device too in schools and we can use them for research and lots of good things in school as well. Absolutely. All right, John, James, thank you. James James Dean is principal at St. Vincent's Secondary School. Thank you for that. It's uh, Internet Safety Day. We do the best we can to keep that vast play. And we all, remember this, here's a statistic. You and I and those around us who use the internet every day, we only ever look at about a half of 1% of it. And that's just about as much as any of us will ever need. We never see the most of it, which is probably for the best. Yeah, that breaking political story that I told you of, the death has been announced this morning of former Taoiseach John Bruton. Uh, John has passed away at the age of 76. He died peacefully in the matter private in Dublin, uh, surrounded by his loving family early this morning. He'd been ill for some time. Described as a good a good husband, a good father, and a true patriot. We will miss him greatly, uh, said the family statement. Mr. Bruton was Taoiseach from 1994 until 1997. He was Taoiseach in what they called the Rainbow Coalition of Fine Gael, Labour, and was it? They, they changed their name, the... Uh, oh God, it's gone out of my head here now. Finnegan Leprinchis de Rossa was the leader of the third part of that. Uh, the Workers' Party. Thank you. The Workers' Party. Finnegan Labour. Workers' Party. Democratic Left. New Agenda. That's that's why I couldn't remember. They changed their name two or three times 
in the course of that government and then joined up with the Labour Party. Thanks for that. So, yeah, uh, John Bruton passed away at the age of, of 76. A man I met many times and interviewed many times uh, around Cork um, over the years covering election campaigns and covering by-election campaigns and doing the politics circuit as I did for many years as a reporter here. Um, I liked him. I did on a personal level. I liked uh, John Bruton and quite sad to hear of his passing this morning at the age of 76. What I will always remember about John Bruton, I I don't have a recording of it to hand because this news is just broken. His laugh. He had a laugh that was mortifying. <laughs> That's all his, his yeah. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The death announced this morning of John Bruton. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. The Furniture Centre dot yeah, Fergal has dragged out that audio of uh, Jay Z at the Granny uh, Grammys, Grannies, <laughs> Grammys to talk. <laughs> oh, that's one for the that's one for the Christmas party, the Granny Awards, the Grammy Awards. Um, Jay Z's been talking about Beyonce. She has more Grammys than everyone, and never won album of the year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. Think about that. The most Grammys. Never won album of the year. That doesn't work. You know, some of you, some of you going to go home tonight and feel like you've been robbed. Some of you made it, Rob. Some of you don't belong in the category. Oh, no, 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 that was it. No, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. What's he on about there? Jay-Z, thank you. Uh, oh, I won it 96, 96, 96. Now, on Friday, Gareth was talking to Eileen Ring. Uh, Eileen's brother, Dennis, had gone missing in Portugal. Um, he fell out of contact with his family while he was on holidays. And, and as would happen, particularly with someone who keeps in contact a lot, you get worried, you get frantic, and you start to fear the worst. He was last seen at an Irish bar. In Portugal, and then no sign. Now he was eventually found thanks to the power of social media. Marta Gonzaga was. Marta, you, you just saw this on social media and decided that you'd like to help. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I work as a consultant in communication, so I always have all my eyes on the on the web and what's happening and I saw this appealing uh, to find Dennis and from what I checked, I first checked, uh, it seemed that uh, no one had a clue uh, and I immediately felt I can solve this, I'm sure he's in the hospital. So where are you based, Marta? In Lisbon, in, in the centre of Lisbon. Okay, yeah. and you just saw this on social media? Yes. <laughs> Okay, and, and you just like decided a little, of a bit, little bit of detective work. What did you do? Uh, I called the hospital, the emergency center. Uh, you have, uh, it, it uh, happens that you can, and I discovered then that 
that you can uh, dial a number and then they pass you to finding people or asking if you give the name, they have a special service for that. Uh, but they had no one named Dennis. So I said, okay, but can you please check an, an identified person disappearing on that day? And they had. So they passed me to the intensive care where, the, where he was. And I described through the picture I had in, this, in, the, in Facebook. And yeah, there he was. Uh, then they said, okay, we have a, an email where the family can send ID and a picture for a final recognition because I'm not the family. So they can't say, yes, it's him. But they say, yeah, it looks like him. And I contact Eileen through Facebook. She called me back and it was solved. That's astonishing. <laughs> That's astonishing. The, the hospital has this service where you were able to talk to them. Yes, you call the emergency line and then you dial uh, like nine for finding someone. Okay, so. okay. And then they had, all they could tell you was they had an identified man and you you described him from his pictures on social media. Yes, yeah, because the, the lady they passed me through after uh, knowing that someone unidentified was there, uh, she was by, by his side and I was asking, how is the skin, how is the eyes, and I described the, the beard, and yeah, and then she said, what about, do you know if he has tattoos on his wrist, and I said, no, that I don't know, but I will ask the family, but it was definitely him, so she just said, okay, let them contact me. She gave the direct number and an email to send ID and pictures. That's fantastic. It, yeah, they a, were amazing. He, he has quite, and, and that's how, and in case people get worried about personal security, that's how the government, or the government, that's how the hospital protected his personal security in that you were asking questions, you had a lot of information, but the tattoo was one piece of information you didn't have, so they were able to wait until the family contacted to to verify that. Yes, yes, yes. And they only speak with me because I had this information, like foreigner, I could describe the person, and but they don't say, like, it's him. They say, okay, from now on, we need the family to send us ID. Very good. Marta, yeah. so many people don't get involved in this kind of thing, but you did. Why? Yeah. Uh, if I think, I, I don't look, I don't... I, I do nothing if I can't help, but if uh, nothing as like uh, digging in, you know, if I don't think I can help, I'm not a curious person. It's just a, a hurt that I feel if yeah. I can do something to to ease the pain. But also, I was there in that situation before uh, a sister of mine was had a, was beaten beaten bite by uh, I'm not fluent sorry uh, by a viper in a mountain in Barcelona oh, by a snake yeah a snake yeah venom and she had no antidote so she got in really horrible situation and it was someone we didn't know that took her to the hospital took care contact us oh, and, it's, here, uh, it, it's here on my screen now so your sister and like well, your english is excellent by the way i may tell you it's an awful lot better you. than my portuguese uh, which <laughs> just i could just i could just about ask for a beer um but 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 
Your sister was bitten by a snake. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com in Spain and it was a stranger who helped her get yeah, to Yeah, it was hospital. a stranger for her. She met him like, uh, imagine one, two days, he's a friends of friends, uh, you know, when you're traveling. But uh, yeah, then we receive a contact and they took care of her for before she went to the hospitals for three or four days. Uh, she was stubborn. She didn't want to go. And, uh, but he took care in a way he didn't have to, you know, and um, so I travel a, a lot too. And I ha- I know if you, the, most probably if you have something, it will be a stranger that will help you. Yes. So we have to n- not just look, we have to see, we have to pay attention because now you help, later someone will help you. Yes, pay, um, pay, paying it forward. And looking out, yes, looking exactly. out for everybody, looking out for people. Uh, Mar- yeah. Marta, I, w- what is great to know here also is Eileen Ring has said Dennis is now off sedation and talking. Oh, beautiful. He's beautiful. still in ICU, yeah. but hoping to be moved to a general ward. Um, it's, it's a bit of a long road, but everything is looking good so far. Yeah, wonderful. And I, I hope I'll get to meet them. Oh, I think that can be arranged. I think that can be arranged. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it can. She's she's keeping me kind of, uh, she updated me yesterday or something. And uh, yeah, I really, I'm hoping that everything will be, that this has a speed recovery. Excellent. All right, Marcia. Thank you so much. Have a a wonderful day and a great day's work that you did helping to find uh, Dennis. And here we are. Thank you, Marcia. On, on safer internet day warning about the dangers of the internet and the dangers of social media here's the great benefit of it you know one is inclined to believe that the ring family would still be looking for dennis were it not for marta picking up on it and deciding to do a little bit of detective work and you know the rest 
Thanks, Marta. 0818969696. Kids on smartphones. This survey released for Safer Internet Day from Amoric Research, which tells us they did a survey of 900 parents of children aged between 5 and 18. And that survey tells us that 25% of six-year-olds now have a smartphone. That's a fairly shocking statistic. PJ, on a recent power outage at home, my wife and I were sitting down with candles and my kids came in shouting, when's the power back on? To which I said, a few hours. Imagine the panic. They said, we only have 40% coverage and hardly any battery. Bless the good times. With no phones. Love the show. Says, yeah, I know. Oh, God, I know that. Well, I must say, Pat, I'd be a bit of that myself now. If I found the power going out and my battery low, I would be getting worried now. I would be getting worried. Did I actually? Here's the thing. Purely by the by and apropos of absolutely nothing. I was out Saturday night in Douglas. We went out for a bite to eat and a drink. Myself and uh, Queen Bee and, and, and the boy Wonder. And we were in Barry's. Um, what time was it? The under-20s match wasn't long over. So we were there having a drink and we were contemplating whether we'd have another drink and pop across the road for the bus. And then the lights went out. I couldn't put a time on it because we'd been there for a little while. I'd say it was coming close to 11 or thereabouts anyway. And Douglas just seemed to go black for... 10, 15 minutes. By the time we got up home, we had power at home, up the road. But was that a power cut? Was anybody caught in that? What happened, does anybody know? Because the bloody power check app wasn't working. That's about as useful most days as a chocolate fire guard, that flipping thing. But um, does anybody know, did Douglas have a bad power cut Saturday night? Because as we were standing by the bus there, just waiting for the bus to go up the hill, there was loads of, of, of places out and dark. 0818-969696 on Creepy Guys Online talking earlier on to Laura and we'll podcast this, Laura O'Mahony about people sliding into your DMs and leaving you messages that you didn't solicit and don't want. Hi PJ, I had a message over the weekend from someone I don't know or follow. He said he was looking for a sugar baby who he could help financially. He'd like to load up my pictures as well. I just blocked him. Are they around again? We did a thing on those a few years ago. And myself and Fargo, we did a, a couple of stories here on the show about it. Sugar daddies looking for sugar babies. And it was happening in Cork. It wasn't just something that was happening in America. So has it started again? That'd be my question. I'd almost forgotten that the Marley movie, the Bob Marley movie, is out uh, next week. I'm not sure if it drops this side of the water, but it certainly drops in America. It's called One Love, and it stars your man Kingsley Benadir, who was in Peaky Blinders, and he plays Bob Marley. The reviews ahead of its release are pretty good. And apart from that, the soundtrack's going to be awesome. That's no Bob Marley song. Uh, no Woman, No Cry, done by the Fugees. Look forward to that film. That'll be good. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Gareth was talking on Friday about fight clubs and about bullying and the amount of bullying that is out there. And uh, he got quite a number of responses. Robert, for example, got on, and you can hear all that back on podcast, 
If you want to go listen back to Freddie's program, if you missed any of it, it'll all be there on your podcasts. There's a massive problem with bullying and behavioural issues in general in Cork, says Robert. Inside and outside of schools, young lads and girls are absolutely feral. It's because there's a whole generation of parents that aren't raising their kids correctly. They want to be a cool parent. They want to be a friend. It's ridiculous. Your kids are a reflection of you. They'll stand there saying their kids are angels, even if there's video evidence to the contrary. And then the excuse of they've had it difficult. Lots of people have it difficult, but it's a choice. You can choose to be a scumbag or choose not to be a scumbag. It's not mandatory. Makes my blood boil. Parents need to be responsible and held accountable, says Robert. Thank you, Robert. Tell us how you really feel. But a lot of people might agree with that. 0818 96, 96, 96. Gareth was also talking about Fight Club and spoke to Sarah and a lot of love in the room for Sarah. Uh, I just want to say she was very brave to go on air. I admire her so much. There are similar problems in Mayfield and there was more to that call. I'll come back to it. And again, all of that from Friday available on our podcast. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Now, we often talk to people who feature in uh, Timothy O'Mahony's wonderful series of articles, Corkonians Abroad. And uh, this week he's been chatting with Sally Jeffrey, who lives in Singapore, but originally Sally from Montanati. Take the story up there. How did you end up in, in Singapore? Good morning. Or <laughs> well, good, good evening now, isn't you? it? You're eight hours ahead good of us. Good evening indeed. Yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> um how did I end up in Singapore? Um well, I'd actually spent time in Asia um, after I graduated um, from college. So I taught English in Korea um, for a while um, and then spent um, a couple of months traveling around Asia and just really fell in love with the region. Mm. Um, and then fast forward uh, to when me and my husband met. Um, it's actually our love for Asia, I guess, is one of the first things that we connected on. He had spent time as a dive master in Koh Tao in Thailand. Um, and so... We always wanted to return, I guess. Um, and then in 2015, we traveled to a very good friend's wedding in New Zealand and made a pit stop in Singapore. Um, and we really just fell in love with the city and it kind of sees, you know, the seeds were sown, I guess, for, for a potential um, move here. Um, and in 2016, we both secured jobs here. Um, and bought one-way tickets uh, to to Singapore with the intention of staying for probably two to three years. And uh, seven years later, we're, we're still here and loving it. Yeah, my daughter has actually just spent a week in Koh Tao, so you mentioned that. Uh, and the dive masters and the diving and the, the, the snorkeling is a huge part down there. So he was working there, and, and then y- here you are now in... in is it not? Because you hear about it, um, Sally, as a very, very expensive place with a lot of very, very strict laws. Mm, So I think um, for sure it is one of the more expensive places to live in the world. Um, But at the same time, you can find, I think, a lot of like really good value here. So even if you think about something like eating out, um, yes, you can kind of eat in kind of the finest, you know, 
uh, restaurants, but also then similarly, there's really affordable options. Um, if I think about things like hawker centres, which are some of the large kind of communal dining spaces here, mm. you can get fantastic meals for as little as $5. Really? Um, so whereas, yes, it has this perception of being a very expensive city, you can definitely also find, you know, value and affordability within that. Um and then to your second point, I guess, around the, the laws, for sure, you know, there are quite strict laws in Singapore. Um, and that can have kind of pros and cons. I think from a pros perspective, you know, it's an incredibly safe city, mm. um, incredibly clean, you know, very low crime rates. Um, myself, I think as a woman, like I, I can walk anywhere in Singapore at any time of the day and, and not feel, you know, any kind of concern, which which right. I really don't take for granted. Um so, and, and I also believe, you know, I'm living in this country. And so, you know, I respect, I guess, the laws, you know, that are in place um, as well, you know, and that's part of kind of, you know, choosing choosing to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the public transport is extremely good, I'm told. Yeah. And it has to be. Ex- explain this to me. I've read it a few times and I don't quite get it. It's very expensive to own a car. Yes. Yes, it's incredibly expensive. So you have to have um, what they call um, a a COE, so a specific license to hold a car in Singapore. And they can cost upwards of $100,000. And so when you're uh, buying a car here, something like a, you know, a very run of the mill um, vehicle, you'll be paying, you know, incredible um, money to be able to do that. So as a result, a lot of the population um, actually utilize public transport um, and it's really, really smooth. So they've got an incredible, you know, um, bus system, train mm. system, underground. Um, it's super well connected. And but no, c- c- I know, Sorry, I missed that for a second because I'm, tr- I'm trying to take it in. So to yeah. buy a car has its own cost, but then you need, is, yeah. it, is it like a state permit that you have to pay for? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And so the reason that they do that is when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Singapore is actually a tiny island. Um, it's only about 50 kilometers by 28 kilometers. And there's five and a half million people living on the island. So you can imagine if every single person on the island had a car, you know, it would just be total gridlock everywhere. Um, and so how they control that is through these licenses that you have to purchase. Wow. Um, and then I guess to support, you know, everyone getting from A to B, then they have this really, you know, world-class public transport system. So in a sense, you don't really need a car. Like we, we don't have a car as a family, right? Even as two kids, um, mm. we get around on public transport or through, um, you know, ride sharing. So here they have companies like Grab and Gojek, which are kind of like an Uber, yeah. Um, but they're at really reasonable prices. So it's it's very doable to kind of you know if you're not jumping on a train or on a bus that you can jump in in um in one of these kind of cars and and get to where you need to go. Right. So you've got what you said fifty kilometers by by what twenty eight twenty odd twenty eight. 20, yeah, 28, it's tiny. That's 20, it's about 100 times smaller than Ireland. Not at all. You know, I think it's really incredible how they've designed the city. So even though it's super densely populated, like they have actually really considered the layout of the city. It's got lots of parks, nature reserves and green spaces. Um, so you actually can really kind of get away from big city life. Um, obviously, there's a huge amount of high rises right across the city because you can't house that many people without, you mm. know, without those. Um, but they've struck a really, I think, 
wonderful balance between that kind of dense high high rise city life and then having that kind of reprieve through you know really gorgeous uh, reserves and green spaces wow that's fantastic it's it's fascinating <laughs> when you hear someone talk about it like that it's kind of this place do you know what it is sally it's one of these places that you always kind of think well i'm never going to i'm never going to get there so i'm only going to have to think about what it's about or what it's like do you know <laughs> uh, yeah in in terms of housing i mean in a place with that kind of in high high population density like how much does it cost to live to rent to 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 buy it's expensive um so uh and it's gotten more expensive i think kind of post covid as well um so it is to buy i think i mean you're you're talking very high prices well there's two parts to actually the housing market in singapore so actually every singaporean is entitled to housing um, and so they do have a really robust public housing program um, which is run by the housing development board here and it's means tested so actually um, every singaporean can apply for housing um, and then they will the cost of that housing then will be prorated uh, based on you know the means testing that is done um so actually you know there's there's a really high level of home ownership amongst singaporeans through that system i, I think see. then when you're an ex an expat um you know the options are you can purchase honestly it's prohibitively expensive <laughs> so then you know you you go about renting um and so so we've been renting for for the last 7 years okay. here um but it is it is quite expensive um uh, to do, but I think then that's offset by we do have kind of lower tax rates here as well. Right? Yes, so I've heard you can that. Kind of counterbalances. Yeah. So just for, comparing it with life to life at home. So for a native, for example, to use that word, for for a native, yeah, they have a legal entitlement to a home, and then they apply for that, and the rent that they pay or the price that they pay is based on yeah. their means and their income. That sounds very fair, doesn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really effective um, system, um, and yeah. So they can purchase that home, and then the cost of the home, you know, and then obviously the subsequent mortgage repayments are based on on the means test, you know, that was conducted wow. at their point of application. You have two little girls now, Sally. Yes, I do. I have a five-year-old Annabelle and a one-year-old Amelia. Um, they keep us busy. They're absolutely wonderful um, and full of fun. Um, and both both born here, and you know, uh, Annabelle, my my eldest, she uh, she considers herself Irish and Singaporean. So, mm. <laughs> um, like they'd you know, be it, in, they'd be entitled now if they were uh, no, as adults, wouldn't no, they? No, no. So they're not actually citizens. So oh. um, no. So they're still they're still Irish citizens, and um, but they're born in Singapore. I got gotcha. you. I got you. It's all, it's yeah. all very well organised and very well arranged to protect well to protect the natives. Which I guess, in a way, you know that. So, so what keeps you there, Sally? Is it a love of the place? There's so many things that keep us here. Um, I think it's a wonderful place to raise a young family. Um, you know, as I said, it's it's super safe. I think with in in addition to that, it's such a melting pot in terms of you know the cultures that are here um you have you know chinese malay indian being the three kind of primary uh, communities within mm. singapore but there's many other influences so 30 percent of the population are actually expats right so they're from all over the world um and we love the fact that 
you know, it's opened up our worlds in terms of like the cultures that we're experiencing and also that our girls are growing up in such a diverse environment, right? Mm-hmm. They they have friends from so many different communities. They celebrate every cultural holiday. Um, and so we just feel like it's it's a wonderful place for them to yeah. have that kind of perspective, right? An understanding of different cultures and communities. It's like a crossroads um, of the world, isn't it? Completely. You know, my, my sister travelled through Singapore there just after Christmas on her way to visit. They went to visit friends in Australia. And I remember she texted me, she said, PJ, this airport is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, the yeah. airport itself <laughs> is a tourist attraction. It is. Changi will ruin you for any other airport. It's out of this world, um, just in terms of, you know, how it's set up and, yeah, all of the the kind of beautiful kind of landscaping, etc. they've done in there. It's it's really something to behold, um, for sure. It's amazing. It, it, so what, what do you do? What do you work at out there? Yeah, sure. So I work in, in digital advertising. Um, and so I work in a, a regional capacity. Um, so I'm based in Singapore, but I actually travel around the region um, pretty regularly, um, you know, where I work with businesses to help them um, deliver on their marketing and, and overall business objectives, um, uh, you know, through my company. So I work for Google. Um, okay. So so I partner with businesses to help them, you know, grow their businesses across the region. Um, and I absolutely love it. And I, I get to, you know, experience so many different cultures Um and something I always say is I find it really fascinating, you know, how you could be working with the same business in Japan or in, and in Australia and how you, I guess, show up, conduct, you know, conduct your business, build relationships. It's just like night and day, right, from culture to culture. Yeah. And I find that just endlessly fascinating. I was talking only a while back there to the people from Sir Henry's in Perth. You're related, I'm told. That's my cousin. <laughs> That's my cousin Ian. I know Jeffrey's not that common a surname. Yeah, he's a he's a gas man. He um has followed in the in the family footsteps. So my dad and brother um have Luigi Malones and Thompsons in the city. So you could say it's uh, it's in the genes uh, that he's gone into the, the hospitality side of things as well. God, and Luigi is one of my favourite places to eat. It's a very, very small <laughs> circle. Great talking to you, Sally. And I, I do envy you the heat. I know it gets wet and stuff, but I do envy you the heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something you never get used to, the humidity here, but uh, we're definitely appreciative of the sunshine. <laughs> All right, take care. Sally, thank you. Sally, Jeffrey, uh, in, in Singapore, the most diverse. It's one of these places, you know, what's Singapore like? What is it like? Well, maybe that's some picture and we'll podcast that for you. 0818 96, 96 My sister sent me some pictures of the airport. It is the most amazing place. It's got, it's, it's like a waterfall in it. And it's got hotels in it. It's an enormous thing. And the airport itself in Singapore is a tourist attraction. It's brilliant. 0818 96, 96, 96 on the Grammys, or the Grannies. <laughs> Kev says, Tracy Chapman stole the show. I must catch that video, Kev. I've heard about it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96FM.
FM. Just going through my little bit of political history there uh, with the news this morning that uh, former Taoiseach and leader of Fine Gael, John Bruton, has died at the age of 76 after a very long illness. I'm, I'm going back to the government that he led, the, the so-called Rainbow Coalition. And I can remember thinking back to my days as a reporter and we used to run a late evening news shift here at the time in the station and I remember being up until God it was nearly four in the morning we kept live news bulletins going here until four in the morning in the middle of a huge political crisis I was on the desk here in Cork and uh, an old pal of mine who's now retired and living the high life down in Glengariff good morning Mr Mark Costigan Mark Costigan was on a news desk in Dublin and between the two of us, we, we kept all the radio stations around the country informed of what was going on because the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Fáil Labour government was collapsing around everybody's ears. There had been holy murder over a man called Harry Whelehan and a disgusting uh, pedophile called Brendan Smith. And it was just... And we stayed up until myself and Mark stayed on the two news desks and we joined the two news desks up together uh, and we ran a network news service overnight, the two of us, me in Cork and, and he in Dublin, as this whole thing was coming down around the politicians' ears. And then the new government emerged, uh, Fine Gael, Labour and the, and the Democratic Left, as it was at the time. Workers' Party stroke Democratic Left. And here's the thing, it was the only government, here's your political geek thing now. It was the only new government formed in the history of the state without an actual election. So there was one combination of government, then there was a political crisis, and then instead of an election, which you'd normally expect, there was just another government formed. I remember that happening. Just looking through my old notes here this morning, but that was amazing. That's when politics was actually interesting. That's when politics was like, there was better drama than there was in Coronation Street in the world of politics back then. It was great, and it was great to be involved in it. It was great fun to be a political reporter back then. So it was. 0818969696, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 0833969696, and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. I opened the Echo uh, in the last couple of days, and I saw a picture of these two lads, and I smiled, um, because not only are the two grand fellas, I'm very, very proud to be able to call them my friends, I speak of Joe Bourne, of Joe Joseph's in Glasheen, and Darren, his partner, Darren Kilkenny, who featured in the How I Met My Partner in, in the Echo. Uh, Joseph, good morning to you, my friend. How are you getting on? I'm getting on very well, PJ. How are you, my friend? Good. That's a lovely photograph of the two of you. I've had coffee on that couch. <laughs> oh, you you actually have had... Uh, um, it is a lovely photo, but you know, the camera makes you look heavier. I think like look like a step-stuffed bear. I look better when I'm standing out in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yourself now, Peter, with the camera puts on pounds. We'll get, we'll get to the, the article in a minute, but you're a bit of a royal watcher, and I know a lot of people are saying this morning, what is the real story with Prince Charles, or King Charles, rather, because Harry... He's on it was flying overnight to be by his father's side. Now this I I think myself, Joe, and I don't know if you agree with me, I think the news out of Buckingham Palace is a lot worse than they want to tell us. Oh, I do too, PJ. I agree. It's a bit like when the Queen died. Um they they've said it for a reason. Because normally, you know, if there's something 
treatable and all that, they mightn't have said it as much, but they're after making a statement. So I do think he's probably sicker than we realise. And it's a pity because he's waited so long to be king, you know what I mean? That's right. The, the Queen Bee was and only saying to me last night, Jeez, you, wait all, you wait all your life for a job and then you get it and you can't do it for long. And you get sick, yeah. And the fact Harry's coming back so quickly and, you know, and Catherine, the Princess of Wales, she's not well either. So they give me a bit of a doing of it, you know. There's a thing. But I do, I think Charles could be, Charles could be on the way out. I saw the statement last evening that they'd found another form of cancer while they were checking him for an enlarged prostate. There's a couple of forms of cancer can be found at that time and none of them are good. And then the other thing I read or picked up my early morning news, I was listening to the radio very early this morning and I heard that Harry had been seen getting on a plane in LAX and I thought, okay, you've been told come home now, come home and talk to your father. This is not yeah. something. Listen, when you've time, when you've a chance there, you might fly over and talk to your father. No, get home now. Something's up. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say, look, make your peace now while you can. I bet it's something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, if Harry doesn't come back now and be seen to support him, he's only going to look yes. worse anyway. And, of course, Harry and William... Because I can see Harry coming back, Yeah, PJ, and getting more involved with the royal family. You know, he's senior. I say, if Charles would die, I say, Harry would possibly come back. Well, all he, has to, all he has America, to do, anyway. all he has to do, Joe, is say, okay, I'll come back. It's not like a job you can yeah. be fired from. All he has to do is come oh, back. Yeah. And the thing is, himself and William don't speak. He kind of need to no. be talking to his brother again if his brother's going to be king come sometime soon. Exactly, yeah, and he'd be the king's brother. I do think they need to, you know what, but I'd say, I'd say Harry and William were just the best, and we always saw them under... TV thinking they're the best friends but looking on the royal back on the, um, the crown and things I say they kind of were friends you know what no. I mean I don't think they really got on that well no no I think you know being a spare isn't easy That's now you think I'd know something about it wouldn't you I thought his book was awful I hated it but list, yeah, listening to the various that. royal editors over the years and talking to the people who know the relationships speaking for example to to uh, you know our, our our old great friend um Albert like uh, like that you know <laughs> we don't really know what goes on behind those those four walls we really don't do it oh, no not at all no no i mean i say there's more there's more fighting and bickering and carry on and I'd say really they're not allowed to do that much themselves either i say as they say as Pioneers said the establishment yeah yeah. You know what I mean? I say everything has to be checked. But I'd say, if you're saying how Charles was dying and he died, could you imagine another state funeral so quickly, then another coronation? Yeah. And William would be a young king. I mean, Jesus, that would be that would be mad, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were even saying when, when Charles did become king after Queen Elizabeth died, they even said, like, would it not have been wise to pass pass down and just let... let let William be, t- t- take over then, kind of, rather than, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, but, but you know, you wait all your life or something, PJ, you know what I mean? And, you, you know, it comes to you, you don't want to give it up that easy. Mm. There's a thing, I'm sure, of course, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's Arthur, I mean, Arthur, the great Arthur, Arthur Edwards, I think I called him Albert there, but that's me on a Tuesday. Um, like, do you think, Joe, because I was watching this on social overnight, and listening to various radio programs, do you think here in Ireland we actually 
give a damn. I actually think we do, yeah. I think there's certain certain people do. They love the they love the bishop drama and the the pomp and ceremony and the low magazine. You know, minutes from coming to the salon, they grab the low magazine if they say the Princess of Wales on us or any of the royal family. They go straight for or take okay. the low magazine. They do, yeah, they love it, and they, you know, that will be topic now in the salon for the next few weeks about your, now. It can be negative too, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, what the things to say about poor Camila is <laughs> it is all oh, when they pick up the magazine and look at her face, you know what I mean? Say, it's just that one, and look at poor Diana, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but no, it's still, it's still, no, they do, they love all the. I think they love all, you know, when there's a wedding or anything like that, they love all the pomp and ceremony and things. Yes, so I, I, I think mean, all the. I mean, I was off when when the Queen died, but I, I remember the, the the response to it. There was more affection for her than people cared to admit in this country. I think. I think so too. Yeah, and even when she came that time, she came to Ireland. I think she kind of redeemed a lot. She mm. she a lot of people had great respect for her. You know what I mean? And she. She had courage, and she, you know, she, she's a, she's a person. She has feelings and things like that. And a lot of people relate to her now. Don't relate to her in the grandeur and all that. No, but like, you know, she's human, and she had a lot of trouble with the kids, and you know, mm. and Charles and, is very fond of Ireland too, and has been here quite frequently. I love her. He loves Liz Moore, doesn't he? Mm. Yes, yeah, but Charles loves anything that's green anyway, and you know what I mean. He's very much uh, an environmentalist. He's 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 good. He's good when it comes to climate change. Three years ago, they were laughing at him and mocking him about things he was saying. You know what I mean about the climate change. I'm sure he was right in everything he said. It's funny you and should say that, Joe. Very time. funny you should say that because when I had that conversation at the run the time of the coronation, that someone wrote an article saying that he was an environmentalist before others knew what it was. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And I say, like, you know, he he would have downsized the while. I say the Royals will actually, you know, will him take over now. There won't be all these hangers on. You know what I mean? Well, he actually can, has downsized it a lot. He actually has downsized it a lot. There's a lot oh, less no, yeah. going on. No, admittedly, yeah. I think it's eight of the 11 highest ranking members of the royal family are in their 70s. Yeah, absolutely. And you see, then, well, I know now this is diverting me at Fergie um, for dinner then on not actually eight, but that's her at the dinner table on Christmas Day. Mm. She got back in. Oh, yeah. Because she, she wasn't, you know, when the Queen was alive and Philip, she wasn't left near the place. That's right. That's right. And it, Andrew, because I mean, so he's, you know, Jesus, he's really after making a mess of things. And now he's he's gone. So, they, you know, the the the. the the senior wilds are downsized yeah. now. He's, per, he's persona non grata, and rightly so. Yeah, oh, totally, absolutely. You yeah. know, rightly so. Yeah. Um, like, you have, I wonder, will we see, here's the one I'd be looking for now as a watcher, will he be, the, will will he pay a visit to his brother? Yeah, and will Charles want him? I'd say he will, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, Charles was there on, or not, Andrew was there on the, the Christmas Day in Sandermans, Sandor and as well. Mm. Um, what I'd say now, what I can see, Harry coming back, Harry and Meghan coming back, taking a royal position, right, and being more seen. I can see um, what's on my Edward's wife. She's she's fairly good in there as well. Sophie, Sophie, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but to see what's wrong with the Princess of Wales as well, as she's not well either. You know? No, I mean, she's so not. Going she, on there. She, she she was very sick when she was pregnant. She had that hyperemesis thing, very very bad. Yeah. 
you know. But and they don't keep one of them in hospital and um, PJ without reason. No, you know what I mean, no, they don't. And that statement last night where there's something more going on. Yeah. Mark my words. No, there is. And, and as I said, yeah. I, I woke up this morning and the first news bulletin I heard at about quarter past or quarter to six was that uh, Harry was on his way to get a plane to London and I thought that's not a case of come home and see your dad when you have a chance that's get over here now yeah and like any ordinary family should all that's very sad when you fall out with somebody you try to make up then you know what I mean I'm sure he regrets things he said and you know he would hope they get a chance uh, to patch patch up things before he does go if he's going to go you know yeah, it is yourself they should get as a consultant. Come here, it's a fabulous, it's a it's a fabulous um, article in 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 the Echo, Joe. I was delighted. I was delighted for the two of you. Remind people again how yourself, because you'd be seen around Douglas now as men about town. How, remind, oh, remind people. Already, yeah, anyway, PJ, these were like the local celebrities. Anyway, it doesn't matter, you know. Remind people again how you met. Well, we met Douglas. It was actually very funny. Went out through friends that we met in chambers. Yeah. And I don't smoke, but a friend of mine was going out to smoke in here and I went out with him and I saw Darren from a distance sitting on a stool and I said, oh my God, he's so handsome. So I passed twice to see would he recognize me or know me or see my face because normally when people look at me, they take a double take, you know, but not, he didn't see me at all. So I went over and I introduced myself. Mm-hmm. Fair play. Anyway, we exchanged numbers. And we organised then the following day that we'd meet Afi. Mm-hmm. And we met a few times then. We met in Jono's and Douglas and we met down, we went down to, as I said in the paper, like Telman Louise down to Bunny Kennedy's oh, and yeah. we went, had a few dates. And before you know it, he was moved in. Join me on the roller coaster, says you. Join me on the roller coaster. And when, when Darren got the rings done then for our wedding, he had on them. On my wedding ring, the roller coaster begins. Nice one. Which was lovely, yeah. Uh, I'm not a very romantic now. Best thing I've ever done, Henry P.J., was a bit, you know, sometimes you're, don't ever be afraid to do something because I went off to down if you could have said no, uh, who are you? But no, we had a chat and before you know it, we clicked and it, it, it's been perfect ever since. Good man. Well, there's a the thing now. You and Darren met in the smoking area. And Emer and Alberto met in a smoking area. How's that for you now? Well, that's very good. But do you know, do you know, Peter, in the I bodega. Was reading, do you know what I was reading the article yesterday myself going over? There's some young guy now sitting at home reading that. That might be gay, might be finding it difficult to come out and things like that. Yes, Joe. It just goes to show how you can see um, same sex couple happy, normal. Accepted all these positive things. So I, Darren said, "We're talking about last night. You know, it would be good for younger people to see that and to see that, you know, there's a good positivity out there as well. You know, there's a thing, Joe, and I, I, seeing as you've touched on it now, I'll ask you. Like, you know, do, do you do you think it is easier now? Let's just talk about young men. Do you think it's easier now for young men to come out? I mean, I know how hard it was for you back in the day." Oh yeah, now this was totally different, PJ. It was it was a nightmare. Um, I do think it's easier. I do think it's more more acceptable. But there is still a long way to go. There's still a lot of homophobia. There's still a lot of fear, um, and you know, you fear within your own family. That's the biggest thing, I think. You know, for someone coming out to their own family, um, 
so yeah, it's easier with society, but it, it still it, it is still hard. It's not. It's not. Mm. It was held up, but it's not one hundred percent easy. You just don't come out. It is. It is a difficult thing to do, and it's a difficult thing to do within your own family. Yeah. And yeah. I do think, you know, someone reading that article, if someone's in doubt, they say, oh, my God, look at the two of them. They seem really happy at their own home, they're together. It is possible. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, and, and it, but it is it is easier than it was. She's in our time, PJ, as you can remember, the other place and all these places. So there were, yeah. there were cloak and dagger, you know what I mean? I, I often talk you about could, it sometimes here, Joe, when we talk about... Yeah, LGBTQ issues, and I remember talking about Chambers last year, and you know, while I, I had great, I, we 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 kind of took that story under our wing, and I remember saying at the time, I, I'm around long enough to remember when I had friends who I knew they were gay, and everybody knew they were gay, but they had to go somewhere else and have a secret knock on a door, you know? Oh yeah, and and look up and down and cross the road when there's no one on the footpath or that side of the street. I remember going up McCartan Street, and you'd cross the road over but you'd be hoping there'd be no one on that at a particular street then you'd ring the bell the bouncer would come down the stairs he'd leave you in ASAP once you get in you're a grand but coming back out then PJ they'd go out and look up and down the, the street again to make sure there was no one there yeah that's right or even you know, for me even at that time that a customer might, might pass or somebody might see me or you know because I was only in my 20s that's right but can you imagine PJ having a tin of paint in your in your premises and painting over graffiti every morning. And I had to do that for a couple of months. Really? I mean, that wasn't easy. You know, you're thinking before you even go out there, oh, what's going to be on the, the wall today, you know? Mm. And at least, at least, at least most of that, I won't say all of it, most of that is behind us. Joe, thank you. Give my best, of course, as always, to the wonderful Darren, Joe of Joseph Hair Salon in, in Lachine. Um, you can read that well, it's a lovely article the echo how I met my partner um, two fabulous lads and as I said last night on Facebook I am so so proud to be able to call them call them my friends that new club uh, we were talking to Jen Bowler last week about it Vibe the LGBTQ plus supposed to have been rammed and absolutely fabulous at the weekend bouncing it was and people thrilled with it, which is great to hear. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on King Charles. Tom said, "Why would we give a damn about what happens to King Charles?" Well, I certainly would, says Tom. All of our family worked in the UK and saw great kindness over there. There are tight bonds between our two countries, and even if royalty isn't our way, it is part of the way of our nearest neighbour. He does no harm to anyone, and he's battling a horrible disease. And I hope he beats it. Thank you, Tom. And John says, It's a pity the ordinary cancer patient doesn't get as much attention as Prince Charles when they have to scrape by with the same dreadful condition. There are many sad stories of people suffering extreme poverty while fighting cancer. A point, John, that has been very loudly and widely made since the announcement came from Buckingham Palace last evening. And a very fair point, too. But when one of the most famous men in the entire world... Uh, is diagnosed with cancer, then the world pays attention. That's just how it happens. Thank you, Tom and John. 0818-969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie. Quartz 96 FM.
96FM. Even though no Bond movie has been announced, we're told that the battle is on to be the next Bond girl. Jodie Comer, who you know from Killing Eve, she's yeah. fantastic. Michelle Keegan, who my money is on. I think she's she would be stunning. She would be brilliant in it. Until she opens her mouth, she's like, I'm going up to shop. What you want, Liz? Roses. Also, Saoirse Ronan's in there. Tonight. I hear and Bond's the army. <laughs> Lorraine and Ross in the morning. With no DC cars, the place to order your 2024 Skoda. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Open 24-7 at nulldc.com. Just there on the phone in relation to King Charles. Celebrities are no different to anybody else. We go over the top here on Celebs. I have a family member who's sick at the moment. That is my priority. Though I wish King Charles well. And indeed, I wish you, or we all wish you, family member well but when well-known people when something happens to well-known people we we do tend to hear more about them for example i was sad at the weekend to hear of the passing i didn't know her well at all i've only met her a few times in, in the company of gerald Keane, um and i always liked her i found her gentle and funny and and a lot different to the image uh lisa lisa murphy who, who passed away she had uh, battled cancer for four or five years and she died at the weekend, the age of just 51. That's way too young. That's way too young. I hadn't seen her for a long time now since she was she was actually um, Gerald Keane's partner at the time. And we, I, we met a couple of times at events that the Gerald would be at. Um, and uh, she was lovely. She was a dot, actually, was Lisa. An absolute dot. 0818 96 96 96. Um, the Minister for Finance... Michael McGrath said at the weekend that he was doing something about this warehoused debt. This is this tax that the revenue said didn't have to be paid during COVID and it was warehoused, it was put on hold. So you still have a tax bill, you just haven't had to pay it. And it was all due to come due in May of this year. And if you couldn't pay it, there'd be interest on it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And business groups were saying up and down the country, it's going to put more people to the pin of their collar and put more businesses to the wall. Michael McGrath announced, was it yesterday or the day before? I'm confused by the bank holiday, but the weekend anyway. Michael McGrath said, well, there'll be no interest now charged on that warehouse debt. And also, you can set up an agreement with the Revenue Commissioners to pay it back over a period of time. I think at one point, uh, it could be as as much as five years if you had any kind of decent amount of money uh, warehoused it's something, but uh, President of Corp Business Association, Kevin Hurley, he, is it anything near enough, Kevin? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How, how are you? And good morning to all your listeners. Look, um, you know, it's it's really for, for me uh, as a business person and for our association, I really think it's just a drop in the ocean. I think that what uh, the government need to do is they need to extend out the debt warehousing. We are in a serious uh, financial crisis here um, for small to medium sized enterprises in, in Cork and, and throughout Ireland. And I think that everything is being thrown at us for the last three to four years. Um, the VAT increase, the energy increases, minimum wage increases. In my own business, we're dealing with DRS, the government have buckets of cash and they really, really need to look after the small to medium-sized guys like myself, like my, our members in, in the association and that's mm. really where I'm coming from. DRS is the new, the new, as I was calling it last week, the new bottle tax. That's, that's, that's difficult for people to get into that as well, is it? Well, like, well, we, had, we had to invest, um, you know, 
throughout our company, it's probably costing us about 100,000 euros uh, to put the machines in. Um, you know, it's it, it, like with the, with the government, all they're doing is throwing stuff at us. You know, I, I've said it in, on numerous different shows before. It's like being a boxer inside in a boxing ring with your hands tied behind your back, getting punched. Uh, they're just throwing stuff left, right and centre. And unfortunately, we've seen, um, you know, quite a few uh, restaurants and bars, etc. closing uh, within Cork City Centre in the last month. And, mm. you know, I'm sure people are probably blue in the face from listening to all about that. But that's only the start of it. And, you know, I think that they really need to wake up. They need to listen to the likes of, of me, who's probably a pain in the arse, talking about it every day. Mm. Uh, but they've got to just try and change the ways. This is just a, just a drop in the ocean, really. There's a thing, though, Kevin. You know, you say it's a pain in the arse listening to someone like you. But I'm kind of thinking, you know what? We have a government that is charged with running the country and trying to run the economy and that's not a job that I would face myself tomorrow. I wouldn't fancy it at all. But when you have a business sector, various elements of be it yours, you in retail, be it catering, be it hospitality, be it whatever, and they're all saying this, this and this. Yet, and yet, maybe he is, we don't know about it. Michael McGrath, Pascal Donoghue and others, they don't seem to be calling you guys in and saying, what's what is it you need us to do they don't seem to be they having are, that level of conversation i couldn't agree with you more pj they are not listening to us we met with them last year we said please we pleaded with them to to keep the vat at nine percent and they still went off and it increased it to 13 and a half percent they are getting absolute billions from the multinationals that are that are creating the wealth in this country, and but they're not looking after the normal Joe Soap on the street, and this is really really concerning for for me as a business person, and for for the Cork Business Association and all the other business uh, acumen throughout the, throughout the community of, of Ireland. And it's not just one sector; it's all sectors. Agreed. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You you know yourself, PJ. Trying to get a plumber today or an electrician or, or anything like that. Like I mean, the the country's at full employment, so you know everyone is really really busy. They're you know they're, the, the the wheels are churning, um, but it's just it's it's I'm I'm very very concerned to be honest with you. I mean, you're just opening a, you have a new expansion coming up there, North Main Street. I've seen photographs of it. It looks absolutely fantastic. You guys, you're ploughing on with with your business. Um, do you ever do you ever think twice and think am I mad? Um, <laughs> well, I'm probably a bit mad, right? Everyone knows that. But um, look, you know, we, we, this opportunity came along. Um, I think North Main Street um, is is a street that's going to be vibrant and upcoming in the future. And we saw the opportunity there, and, and we took that opportunity. Um, you know, it's not without its. Um, it's not possibly not without its troubles. I mean, the building regulations on the fit out of that store um, have increased the cost of the, the fit out massively. Really? It's very, very um, disheartening when you have to put uh, like a radiator inside in a storeroom, for example, like the building regs have made us do that. I said who'd be heating themselves when they're packing shelves. But anyway, that's another that's another story. But look, it's it is what it is. Um 
Um, we're delighted to open up uh, there, but it is business is certainly getting difficult in this day and age. Mm. Come, come back lastly, because we're going to be focusing on it. It came into effect last Thursday, as I called it, the bottle tax. I know it's probably not, yeah. it's not the right tote, but it's what people are calling it. I see at the weekend already pictures of machines out of order. Um, I, I also, a lot of confusion in, in certain shops in that people are now saying, well, why is the 15 cents gone on a bottle of Coke that doesn't have the R on it? A lot of confusion out there, Kevin. Yeah, there has been an awful lot of confusion. Um, now, to be fair to uh, most graves who are our retail partners, yes. they've been excellent He's communicating with us, but the you know there has been, a, I, I would think, not great communication. Uh, from, am I right from, in saying, Kevin, that Musgraves issued a very long list on Thursday or Friday of products that you could take, you could charge the extra on the old bottles and the old bottles will be taken in the machines. Has that happened? So 5% of the stock um, of the, of the bottles, um, Musgraves have, have paid the government basically um, the levy. And that's why, you know, the 15 cent on certain, what we would call a skew. So like certain products within the store, um, Musgraves are, are paying the, the, the tax on that. But I, it, I, I knew there was going to be confusion. Everybody kind of knew it uh, from day one. I think the faster that the new products get, get into the stores yeah. with the new barcodes, with the DRS um, symbol on them, then, you know, look, it is what it is. It's it just is what another, it is. It's, it's here tax, to stay. You know? Yeah, I was watching, I was in, in uh, my local Tesco this morning on my way in, actually, and the, the, the bottles, the shelves were nearly empty. They were clearing them out. The shelves were practically yeah. empty to get rid of the old stock. And I was in an Aldi at the weekend and they had all of the old minerals being, they're selling them off for half nothing and they can't be making a cent on them. I said, just get rid of them, just to get rid of them. I know, I know. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, as I said, I knew there was going to be confusion. It, it, it was kind of like when the Euro came in. I don't know if you remember back in those days. The I first do. week was pretty, uh, was pretty mental. And hopefully this will all settle down. And hopefully it is one and there's a question, settled. Kevin. There's a question. The yeah. Cork Business Association is around an awful long time. Um, did anyone approach the Cork Business Association and say, come here, lads, how do we do this properly? No, nobody came to us. I, I was dealing with it in my own day job, uh, PJ. The Cork Business Association is a voluntary organisation, but there was no nobody came anywhere near us um, as regards that. But like I was dealing with it in, in the day job, as I said. But, uh, you know, the Business Association has been around for over 60 years. Uh, it'll be there long after you and me have... Uh, departed departed uh, this this world um but look uh, we're trying we're trying our best for for local businesses and we launched our uh, strategy um for the next five years there uh, the week before last it's on our website you know how we want to see the business uh, community and how we want to see the city improving over the next uh, five years and i'd encourage anybody just to go onto our, our website okay. and have a look at that um, you know, we're really trying to focus on, you know, uh, improving business, improving safety, improving cleanliness, um, you know, and obviously 2030 is only six years away and there's a huge amount of apartments and buildings going to be built and uh, oh. all of that. So we're really hoping that uh, Cork City will thrive. All right. And hopefully it will. Kevin, thank you. Kevin Hurley, president of the Cork Business Association and the man behind, or one of the people behind the Hurley's Centre chain, which is employing a couple of hundred people. Thanks, Kev. 0818 96 96 96. Johnny's asking a question, which is a very valid question for all this Docklands development and all this 
rebirth and rebuilding of our city. Where are we going to get trades? Oh, Johnny, that's a whole other day's conversation. Where are we going to get trades to build uh, these places? Where, like? Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And Mike. Uh, good morning, PJ. Hi, sir. What did you see on Saturday? Uh, well, I suppose since the COVID, we've seen a huge uh, problems in, in the retail sector in the last number of years in ter- terms of theft and fraud, etc. Right. Uh, now, on Saturday afternoon, I was going to a local store in the Cork Town, and I observed two young lads coming out against me with um, a slab of beer. I said to myself, no way, you know, because I'm in the security business, so I copped it straight away. And I said, these guys look maybe six, 15, 16 max. So I spotted them, but I, obviously I couldn't do anything. But I went into the store, and two customers actually approached me. They said, those guys just walked out with the with the beer. So I followed them out to the car park at the rear of the shop, and they got the ridge. There was four in the car, and it wasn't the cock ridge. It was an outside county. So I had to go back. All I could do, I went back in. I gave the registration to the manager. Mm. You see, it's a typical example of how these guys walk this. And then young lads who are underage, they're juveniles, so there's nothing to be known with them in, in terms of the law. And uh, they're probably what these guys do. They probably hit a number of stores in the area of a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but they're just so brave-faced. They just walk straight out the door. And it's very difficult for staff. They're put in a very difficult position. Mm. Because they're and, not and if you had been, I know you work in security, that you're not in retail. Yeah. Like, if you had been yeah. a security guard on that door, even your rights to stop them are limited once they cross the threshold, absolutely. correct? Absolutely, absolutely. You can't follow them. Uh, well, I followed them discreetly and got their registration and reported into the store manager so it's up to them where they want to take it from there yes yes but I mean a security guard on the door of the oh, shop oh yeah you're limited absolutely absolutely limited yeah what you can do it's ridiculous it's a typical example of what's happening today in the retail world you know sadly and I mean do I look at it when I go into that store to buy something later the company the shops have to take on that the loss so they up the prices and on the commodities yeah that's the way I look at it. So that's why I would go out and, and get the information at least and, you know, send it back to the stores that this is the carriage these guys are travelling. Well, here's hoping, here's hoping that that worked and that something will be done. Mike, thank you. 0818969696. I just bought a can of Coke for 190 and it says not to be sold separately part of a multi-pack. I hear in the future that to recycle multi-packs, you'll have to have the wrapper in some cases. Does this mean if a shop does that, we have to soak up the loss of the 15 cents? Or would the businesses charge it? They're liable for it because the charge does go to the multi I haven't heard anything about that. That's the first on me that you'd have to prove that something came from multi packs. Because multi packs, they made a total hames of multi packs, if you ask me, when they brought in this cardboard packet. Yeah, I know cardboard is this sustainable and all that. But I'd least like the package to last until you get the cans of Coke to the flipping car. Do you know what I mean? And Douglas, I live in the middle of Douglas Village. My power was out for a whole hour. People, PJ was asking, was it out for 10 minutes? It was out for longer than that. Thank you. No, what happened with us, as I said earlier on, was we were in Barry's, myself and herself and the young fella. We were having a drink and we were debating whether we would go for another drink or go for the bus. And then the lights went out and that kind of sorted that debate for us. So, 0818 Let me just clear some of your correspondence from earlier on. Uh, 
Laura and I were talking about internet safety and people sliding into your DMs and the whole thing came up about this statistic that came out this morning from Amoric Research. They researched 900 parents of children between 5 and 14 and that research came up with a statistic that said 25% of six-year-olds had a smartphone. Uh, Question, uh, is that a real statistic? Yes, it is. I've never heard of a single person giving a six-year-old a smartphone. I have a four and an 11-year-old. We only recently got our 11-year-old an Explorer watch so we can call him if he's out in the park. Wouldn't dream of giving him a mobile. The online content is traumatizing enough for adults, never mind kids. It really is a sad world, said Lisa. But Lisa, yes, that is a genuine statistic gathered by a genuine research company and published this morning. On a lighter note, says Kira. Regarding the smartphone and six-year-olds, my six-year-old is home from school with a vomiting bug. His ears must have peaked at the word six-year-old's smartphone. He excitedly told me that the man on the radio said six-year-olds are allowed to have smartphones now. So thanks for that. I'm now the worst mammy in the world because I had to break his heart. I don't see any rhyme or reason to it. I will kick that can down the road as long as I can. I'd love to get to 15 or 16 before we get a smartphone. But I see my nieces and nephews all had fierce peers pressure, peer pressure from quite young. They were 13 turning 14 when they got them. And that was late enough according to their peers. Also, PJ, I really enjoyed your conversation with Laura. Warm, sensible conversation and important messages delivered with humour. I'd recommend her Instagram and indeed her podcast with Rob Heffernan to everyone. Laura's a tonic for life. Love the show, says Kira. Thanks, Kira. Yeah, it's called Red Raw. Uh, that. That podcast. <laughs> Sorry you had to explain to your six-year-old that the man in the radio did not say what the six-year-old thought he said. Wouldn't be the first time. And it wouldn't be the only the six-year-olds who picked me up wrong, too. Do you know? So you're all right there. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I love Room to Improve. And I kind of love programs like it. But Room to Improve in general. I, I like your man, you know. I like your man, Dermot. But, but it's, it's very popular. Um, and these shows make give the incentive to do your own thing. I spoke to Rob Hennessy before. Uh, Rob is renovating this huge Victorian pile overlooking the River Lee down in Glenbrook. And the location alone, Rob, was worth the asking price. Are you still repairing and renovating and doing it up? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Peter. Uh, I sure am. It's it's like the never-ending project that I took on, but um, I, I, I can kind of see light at the end of the tunnel at last, but uh, it's been very rewarding, to be honest with you. I've loved every second of it, and I'd do it all again if I could, you know. Yeah. You were on the Great House Revival. Revival, yeah. The last right, time yeah, we yeah, talked, right. you, and I, you, you just found this this mystery room or hole. Yeah. Do you ever figure yeah, out what it, was it, behind it? Yeah, it would just turn out to be just another area within the coal bunker, and that's it. Really, it wasn't anything special. I was hoping to find this pot of gold that would have that would have had me pay for the rest of the renovation, but it wasn't. It wasn't anything. Um, it wasn't anything too special, unfortunately. Mm. Are you nearly done? Are you nearly finished the work? Um, I've about seventy five percent of the house done. I, I mean, I've the worst of it done. I, I'll be honest. I think the last kind of bits is like for example I'm starting to work on the outside now I'm mad to kind of get the front garden done um, so we can have hopefully uh, have a barbecue at the end of the summer hopefully outside um, and then I, I do have an entire top floor to do yet but that's just going to be a couple of bedrooms going in there so it's not going to be 
hopefully, famous last words, but it won't be as heavy of a lift as what I've had up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, did, yeah, did you so literally think, have to hollow the place out, pretty much? Yes, yes. Well, and and you know what, PJ, was the only thing I could, it was the best thing I could have done because the amount of hidden surprises and issues that I found that if I hadn't have done it, um, I would have just covered it up, right? And then down the road, I would have been ripping down new areas that I had already done to fix issues. So I was glad I kind of ripped it back to its shell, found a load of um, dry rot, wet rot, like loads of rotten timber. So mm. it was the best thing for me to do and allowed me then to kind of build it back up again. You know? did, did, did you find yourself at any time stripping back a wall or stripping back plaster and finding something that was built way back then that was perfectly fine way back then, but an engineer won't pass it now? Yeah, there was a, a, like, so for example, right, so in, at the corner of every room down, at, say, in the ground floor, they would have had um, a timber plate, wall plate, um, and a timber wall plate. So basically, um, it, it was used that um, joists, ceiling yes, joists right. would sit on them, you know. Yes. So the problem with that, though, is because the end of it was touching the external of the, of, of, of the external wall, water went across it so they were completely rotten so then the joists were now starting to rock up and down so there was no way like back then they were probably solid oak they were probably putting in at the time they were like you know the house is 167 years old nothing had fallen down but it was on the verge of falling down so there's no way you get away with it in in the modern kind of building construction days you know but uh yeah it was a couple of a couple of Kind of thank God I stripped it back to find those issues in the first place. You yes, know? yes. Ra- rather than rather than me sitting there in your new front room and wondering what's that creaking <laughs> exactly. sound coming from the wall, exactly. I know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of people with projects, Rob, and they they follow yeah. programs like yours. And and thank you for set, yeah. sending me the link. I must watch your episode again yeah. because I I had watched no it before. Um, but a lot of people that do little jobs and and have little rebuilds, they're holding off because yeah. labor and materials. Now, whatever about materials, sure, have you tried to get a plumber lately? Have you tried to get a tile lately? Yeah, it's it's, it's quite difficult. I, I find, so as, something that I do is I try to plan out something as far in advance as I possibly can. Um, so then I am then kind of setting myself go. So for example, if I'm doing a, if I'm doing a bathroom as an example, and I'm doing the initial part of all the kind of stripping back and doing all the kind of heavy labor intensive stuff, I give myself a window of, say, four weeks. So now I know in four weeks' time, I need to have enough done so I can get my plumber in to do first fix, as an example. So then I would then give them enough a notice, um, and they would be then here on time. But if you're, like, looking for someone last minute, not a chance. You have to kind of, like, they're so busy. And there's lots of people out there doing a lot of great work mm. in their homes. So all these plumbers and plasterers and tilers and electricians, they're all booked up. So you just have to kind of try and, now, easier said than done, but try and plan as far yeah. ahead as you can. Something that happened during the, the, the building boom in the early noughties was you couldn't get anybody for the, oh, Mr. Oh, that's an awful small job. No, yeah. that job is way too small. Yeah. We sadly seem to be back there. Oh, that job is too small. No, that's mm. too small a job. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think that's why more and more people are probably taking on those small jobs themselves. You know? So, I mean, there's some great tutorial videos on YouTube, as an example. True. Like, I, I have a page on Instagram um, and the Instagram renovation community is extremely supportive, PJ. So, yeah. like, if you had any questions, people would give up their, their time of day to kind of help you and kind of guide you and give you a, a bit of guidance on how to do stuff. And, like, you know, I started off this house 
with zero experience. I worked as a summer job with my dad on a construction site when I was 18, and that was about it. I'd been working in, 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 in an office space pretty much ever since. And, and, but if you were to ask me where I was at the beginning of the renovation to where I am now, like it's night and day. I've I've a wealth of experience. I could I could you know probably do a bit of plumbing for you. I could probably you know I mean to do a small bit of plastering now. It's it's amazing what you can what you learn as you kind of when you challenge yourself. Mm. There's a point, isn't there, in 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 a project like that? I'm sure you've had them where you're standing there and you're looking at the room or looking at the space and you're going. Mm. Oh no, no! I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. <laughs> Forget it. And you yeah, want to walk out yeah. the door and never come back. I'm sure you've had a few yeah. of them. Yes, I did. And, and as I've, like the minister said, asked me that. I had one one example kind of jumped to mind, and and I, I remember at the time I got extremely emotional over it. And 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 now looking back, now it seems very small, but. There was one morning I literally just stripped off, uh, stripped back, to kind of the sitting what's now the sitting room, and I noticed some kind of a kind of a fungal tentacles along the wall. I was going, hey, what's that? I didn't make anything of it. And But I came down the following morning and there was mushrooms, a fungal mushroom growing on the wall, right? And I was thinking, oh my God, what's this? So I'm doing a bit of research and it turns out that it is a, a dry rot. So I was going, okay, how do you deal with this? I'd done a bit of research online and you kind of had to, you know, strip it back again. And if it, was, if, and if, if it, was, if it came back the following day, then it meant that it was active. And sure enough, the following day, it was there again. And I was going, oh, my God, what do I do here? And my budget for the whole renovation was extremely tight. So I, I'd done a bit more research and any of the companies I was looking into, it was like five, six, seven thousand to deal with this issue. And I remember thinking, I just don't have the money for this. Like, I, I, I'm literally, if I, if I pay for this now, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you know, change the floor I was planning and putting them in. Yeah. And I actually got quite emotional over it. But then I kind of put out, going back to my comment earlier about Instagram, I put out my, my kind of my woes on Instagram, and uh, a follower came back to me with some tips and tricks what I needed to do, and I was able to deal with the issue myself. I was able to buy chemicals; it cost right. me a couple of hundred euro. I was able to fix the entire thing myself, and and it sorted, and it never came yeah. back, and it was dealt with. That's fabulous, but, you know. And and all because you kind of asked the right questions, like you know. Eventually, I kind of took a deep breath, I took a pause, I tried to clear my head as best as possible. And to be honest as well, PJ, that was a big learning for me because there's the controllables and the non-controllables. Yes. So you'll always get the controllables that will come at you and you have to mentally prepare yourself that that will happen. And when it does happen, you're ready to deal with it. And I think I think that's that's been my mantra ever since that moment. And so any of those kind of curveballs that came at me, I just took it in my stride, to be honest with you, and didn't let it get to me and figure out a solution and implemented the solution. Mm-hmm. And it always worked out. For me. Will you have a big reveal sometime soon? Yes, yes, I think so. Um, I, I like to be honest. I'd love if the like if the Great House Revival came back <laughs> to do a revisit show because I've done so much since. My show aired uh, a couple of years ago now at this stage, so I've done so much. And, and by the way, they have, they have a new season coming out in spring, uh, early spring, so just around the corner. So when, when Room to Improve is finished, uh, Great House Revival will be hitting Excellent. the screen, so people will be still getting their fix. And I think there might be a couple of car homes in that as well, so it'll be great to see that. But, um, well, well continued, but, um, continued success yeah. to you, uh, uh, Rob. And for no reason other than time, I'm going to leave it there. Rob Hennessy doing up this fabulous old Victorian place down in 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 Rushbrook it's it's it'll be fantastic when it's all done and it's he sent us a link for the episode we might actually share that one lads the link you can watch his episode on the on the on the television show massive work being done Rain and Ross back in the morning from 6 Chris Kent
live in studio with them tomorrow. 500 euro voucher for IKEA as well. And of course, the two grand minutes. They're all back tomorrow at six. That's it from us for today. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts up. ASAP. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Coach 96 FM Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.